Welcome, my friends. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is Friday, November 11th, and it is going to be a freaky Friday. If you saw any of my posts this morning, I had a dream last night. I have no idea what the dream was. I've already forgotten it completely. But it woke me up and I started writing this idea. And I'm going to predict that this idea, it's my show open. It may be my whole show. I don't know. John may be joining me this morning. I thought he was. I don't see him on there yet. Uh, as soon as I see him, we'll get him in here. But I'm going to get started. I'm going to predict that this could, this idea could either be one of the biggest ideas I've had in a long time. And the good news about it, if it is big, it's, yeah, I'm already launching it. That's how quick this is going to happen. And Monday, I'll put out my first example of this. You'll, you'll kind of understand what I mean as I start to describe this. But that's how fast this could happen. This isn't a project or an idea where, you know, I tell you about it now and tease it and eight months from now we're wondering what happened to it. That happens a lot. So either that could happen. This could become really big and I can start it on Monday and it will be like up to speed almost immediately. From there, I spent, not exaggerating, um, about five hours last night just writing ideas that could stem from this, which is going to sound crazy because the initial idea is really, really simple. In fact, the initial idea is taking two ingredients. This is a food idea, by the way. Food, drinks, supplements gets much bigger than that. Taking two ingredients, creating a new ingredient, something that I did not invent, but it, I found it out there. It's not very popular. It's kind of almost one of those fringe things. Then taking that new ingredient and using it a lot of different ways. So either that's going to happen or... Because this came from a dream last night, and I spent five hours writing it, and I barely got any sleep at all. Now, because I couldn't sleep, my sleep was just fine. It's getting better every night. That's part of this. But because I just could not stop writing ideas about this. So I've either gone completely off the deep end on this one, and it won't work at all, or could be something really big. Here's the good news. Like I said, I'm going to launch this on Monday. Technically, in a way, I've already launched it today. I'm going to talk about that on the show. And this is such a simple idea. You can all start today on this. Really, really simple. It does have to do with food. I've been testing this idea for work quite a while in the background here. I've developed some recipes around this that I now crave these flavors, but I'm thinking that it might be an acquired taste. 
You know, sometimes we taste something the first time and go, well, yeah, that's okay. Or we don't even like it at all. But sometimes if we keep doing it, especially if we can get some sort of powerful physiological response, what I mean by that is think about alcohol. No human being likes the taste of alcohol the first time. It's horrible, and it's, it, there's a reason it is. It's a toxin. Our body doesn't want that stuff. But you drink it, you get this powerful physiological and neurological response. And then your body said, oh, you know, that didn't taste so good, but boy, I really like the results afterwards. So you try it again and your body starts to associate those two things, that flavor that you just detested in the beginning. Now your body actually craves it. People start to become connoisseurs of beers and craft beers and wines and whiskeys and all kinds of things, right? They get, they get almost like obsessed with this sometimes. The problem with that is we now know how bad alcohol is for us. But that's just one example. There are many other examples of us acquiring a taste and then it actually becomes one of those tastes that we really crave. It becomes better than other tastes, different, unique. That may be what needs to happen here. I'm not sure because as I, the first couple times I tried this, it wasn't so good. So one of two things happened. I either started tweaking my recipes and I got it better or my results from playing around with this were so good that I've acquired this taste now. Because almost every recipe I make with this idea, I really, really like. So uh, let me see if I've set this up properly so I can go on and tell you the idea. The idea you're, you're not going to believe how simple this is. Maybe you will. Like I said, I might be delirious today. So somebody might have to, uh, I don't know, call somebody with a straitjacket, send them over to me. We'll see. Um, I'd love to get some feedback on this, and I know you're waiting to hear what it is. So I'm not going to give you much detail on the, the big, big part of this, the big idea part. But I think you might be able to figure some of it out, may even have some ideas on your own. On Monday, my launch for this, I'm going to I'm going to tease a little more. I'm going to give you a clue what's going to happen on Monday before I tell you the simple, simple idea that's driving all of this. So on Monday, I'm going to launch three recipes, at least three. There may be more. There could be six. There could be nine. There could be 12. Are you noticing a theme there? Multiples of three. The the concept came from working with these adaptogens and the, the medicinal kind of herbs and specifically the medicinal mushrooms. It came from that. It also, actually, if you saw my post, this whole idea is a, a great example of habit number six. Habit number six, remember the book, The Seven Habits? 
Habit number six is what? It is synergize. This is a great example of synergy. Synergy of about, I'd have to go back and count, four or five different projects I've been working on. So I've been working on the stress protocol for a couple of years. This is a part of that. I recently worked with Danielle on the sleep protocol, part of that. Her answer for my, her approach for my sleep issue was adaptogens, primarily mushroom-based adaptogens, and some herbs, some flower essences, some other things. The, the possibilities here start to get pretty crazy. Then, on top of that, there were a couple other things I've been kind of focused on and working on, and this weird, crazy dream. I wish I could remember the dream. I have no idea at all. You know how dreams just disappear like that? And I woke up, and I was so you know, intent on writing these ideas, and they just kept coming. So I forgot the dream. But here's a couple other things I've been working on. And you're going to think to yourself, he has gone off the deep end. He's lost his mind. How do these things work together in something so simple but so big? That's what I keep asking myself this morning. But I might not be in my right mind. Help me out here. Call me. Tell me what you think of this overall idea when I finish. Either way, I'm going to launch it on Monday. And here's the other good news. I forgot about this. We will know pretty quickly whether or not this is going to work or not. Maybe a month at the outside, and I already have virtually every post I'm going to make for that month. I will have them all done by this weekend. So when I launch on Monday, I'll have a month worth of ideas for this. And at the end of that month, we'll know. People will either start to pick up on this and really like it, or they won't. My, my hashtag for this is fail fast and fail often. Uh, let me check to make sure everything's going right here. All right. Uh, John's going to be late, but he's coming, which is just fine. Cause I, have, I could talk about this the rest of the show, and I'm hoping for good feedback. We'll get John involved. This is a freaky Friday edition today. Um, actually, I went back and stole a name for today from one of our past podcasts called Trends and Technology. This is my attempt at creating a trend. And it's either going to go over big or it's just going to fail completely and it will go away. I don't think it's going to go away, though. Maybe it'll have a little cult following if everybody doesn't like it. So what are the other things that kind of came together here? The stress protocol, the sleep protocol, the adaptogens, the herbs. I had a crazy, crazy harvest of peppers this year out of the garden. About six different peppers, some pretty routine, some jalapenos, some more exotic scorpion tongue peppers. Um, some peppers that have been around forever, but I didn't realize how good they could be, like a Hungarian wax pepper. Um, what else? I had some sweet hot peppers in there. I had some really, really awesome habaneros. I love the taste of habanero. 
but usually it's just so hot it's hard to get it it's hard to get enough of the flavor into the recipe without just killing everybody with heat so i found a, a variety that was about half the heat and all the flavor and then i found another variety of habanero that was none of the heat and all of the flavor it's really crazy you bite into it and you think oh no it's a habanero and then there's nothing no heat so between all these peppers and i had so many of them i can't believe it's november 11th and yesterday i was harvesting the final group of peppers i probably got not exaggerating, I bet I've got 40 to 50 pounds combined of all of these peppers. And I started looking at them like, all right, I know I can ferment a bunch of hot sauces. That's going to be fun, different combinations of the peppers. But I can only use so much fermented hot sauce. And I still have some from a big batch I made earlier in the summer. So I started thinking, what else could I do with these? I could dehydrate them. But I tend not to use dehydrated food. I just kind of stick it away and keep it as emergency food. I had a couple other ideas. I could pickle some of them. I've said that I've tried to ferment whole peppers before, and I just don't like the results. So I would end up pickling them. But then, you know, that's not really probiotic. So I was really kind of looking for some new, unique idea to do with this huge pepper crop. By the way, if uh, if you just absolutely hate the topic of food or health, you should probably turn this off. I, I doubt that I'll get off this topic today. We, we may, and if somebody wants to talk about something else, we can, but um, I want to get this idea out there. I want to get people doing it, and I, I want to fail fast and fail often, or or maybe I've got something here. We'll see. So. Back to the peppers. So the last piece of this was that I discovered a new way of fermenting the peppers that I absolutely love. And it is the simplest fermentation I have ever done. Virtually foolproof. I don't know if you could mess this up or not, you could actually start this today with a 10-minute trip to your grocery store. And you could have a fermented product in about four days. What I would recommend you do if you're going to try this is start multiple batches right away. The reason being, in four days, you're going to want to sample this. And you'll get the idea of the possibilities but you're gonna want batches that you can just let go. I've let some of these go two months and the flavors get so complex over time. And there's no downside to long fermentation times, including years, because the resulting product we're going to end up with here, actually we end up with two products from this, which is pretty darn cool. We start with two ingredients, we create a new ingredient, and then we separate those two and come up with two new ingredients. That's why I have so many ideas. 
because now I have two components to add to foods as flavorings so they can fit with a lot of other foods. We're not recreating whole recipes from scratch. We're taking some of our favorite existing recipes across the spectrum of food and adding this new flavoring or the combined flavoring or each one separately. So I know you're just wondering, what the hell is he talking about? So here's the new fermented procedure, product, whatever we want to call it. Oh, I also I also have a cool name for this. Usually that that escapes me. I'm so bad at naming things. This one, part of my dream. A, a cool name. Well, I think it's a cool name. We'll see. So here's what we're talking about. The final piece. When I tell you what this is, you may start getting some ideas of your own. I came across, I was looking for ways, remember, to ferment, or really I was just looking for any way to preserve this giant pepper crop, but in a way that I would use it again, like fermented hot sauces, that's a great way, fermented salsas, but I've already done a bunch of those. So I came across this idea, and I thought, well, that sounds crazy. And at first I thought, that can't work. Are you wondering what it is yet? It's so simple. You're going to want to pull over before I'm done with this and get the ingredients to try this. If you're one of our foodies, our healthy tribe people, not only is this cool food, it is, a, I think, an incredible way for me to start delivering the adaptogens in really, really creative, tasty, fun ways and start to combine them with some of the medicinal herbs. Remember, this is all about a flavoring agent we're going to be building here, a flavoring ingredient. Um, Sarah says she's on the edge of her seat. I hope you're not driving, Sarah. I think it's your time to drive, isn't it? No, you, you do nights. That's right. So, all right. I know you're on the edge of your seat. I'm teasing here. We're almost there. I'm wondering if anybody figured it out yet. One simple idea. We create a new flavor, something that I'm not going to say it didn't exist up till now. It did. I found this idea from somebody else. But using it like this, nothing. This is brand new. What is it? Well, let me give you one more clue, because I've seen this trend happening, and I've seen it for a couple years now, actually. I remember the first time I saw this was at Lardo, the sandwich shop here in Portland, and then they do salads with the sandwich stuff. I used to talk about them a lot. We love Lardo. I don't go anymore because I won't go near downtown Portland. I'm not going to digress, though. So the first time I saw this idea, I thought, well, that's interesting. Unfortunately, it was always breaded, so I never tried it. The idea, part of this whole thing, was, and when I was in Nashville just recently, I got to try a different version of it. So all of these things came together. Habit number six, synergize. 
Nashville hot honey. It was, I think, the original dish was like a fried chicken dish, like a deep fried chicken with hot honey on it. I'm not even sure. I never tried it. I just kind of remember it from a couple of years ago. It's a big thing. Now it seems to be kind of growing and spreading into some new ideas. When I was in Nashville, I ordered some wings, and one of the options was Nashville hot honey wing sauce. Are we coming up with anything here yet? Give people a couple minutes to think this through. I'm about to drop it here. All right. Fermented hot honey. Fermented hot honey. So now we take peppers of any kind and think of all the crazy combinations. Like I said, I already have this blend. I think I'm going to call this the original blend. If this goes big, the original blend might be famous someday. I'm going to take the original blend I already have started creating recipes, but think about all the possibilities with peppers. Crazy different heat levels, crazy different taste profiles. The possibilities of the peppers alone become almost endless. Think about the honey component here. Honeys now are all over the place. Big, deep, dark honeys, um, really light, flowery honeys. Uh, infused honeys, all raw. They do need to be raw if you're going to ferment this. And wait till you hear how easy this is to ferment. It's just crazy. But just think about those two combinations and what we could do with the the honey part. Infused honey. Sarah just sent me. She fermented a half gallon jar of cranberries ginger and honey now we take that fermented honey and we throw in some hot peppers as a new flavor profile the possibilities on both the peppers and the honey are endless now we put them together and ferment them i'll tell you how easy that's going to be then we have these flavorings that are so unique and this honey gives real depth and a little bit of sweetness if we want it, or I've figured out that with the right balance of heat, the sweet part almost disappears for savory foods. We add more heat to it. The sweet part almost disappears, and now we can use it as like a flavoring agent for savory dishes. And the possible and drinks. I, mean, I talked about the drinks on Monday. I'm going to release three new functional drinks. A way to really deliver adaptogens and herbs and supplements in a really unique way. The idea being, I'll start with, um, like I said, it might be three recipes on Monday, it might be 12, but there will be a morning drink a group of those that will be a category and of course you're going to want to kind of wake up and energize and get your brain going so i'm going to use adaptogens and herbs in those 
and maybe even some supplements to create that, that morning drink that you want. In the afternoon, our, our immune system, our, our stress system is facing different challenges in the afternoon. So we may want to lean, no, not may, I already am, leaning towards the adaptogens that defend and balance in the afternoon. So morning, think and energize, mental clarity. Afternoon, defend immunity and balance stress. In the evening, it's all about chill. So we're going to use the adaptogens like reishi, like cacao. In the evenings, to bring about that, that real, the, the slower side, the calm side of our fight and flight mode. And now you'll have lots of possibilities to choose from in all three drinks. Just off the top of my head last night, I probably had, I don't know, 30 ideas alone, either whole, whole categories or specific recipes. So for example, in the morning, you could do this in coffee easily. You could do this in bone broth in the morning easily. I already have many of these recipes worked out, tested. You could do it in tea, both herbal or black, or green caffeinated teas as functional drinks. You could do decaf coffee in the afternoon. We could use any of the options, except I would stay away from caffeinated coffees in the afternoon. And the same thing again in the evening, we can do almost all of those, except again, I would stay away from the caffeinated coffee in the evening. We're getting the benefits of fermentation. We're getting the benefits of local raw honey. We're getting the benefits of the adaptogens and the herbs and possibly the supplements. We're getting the convenience of being able to do this in, in drinks that I think taste really amazing and very unique. All right, where else do I need to go with this? So, oh, how do we do this fermentation thing? You're, gonna, you're not going to believe how easy this is. And it might be foolproof. Here's what I'm wondering. I have to go do a little more research on this. Honey is an incredible food. There's nothing else like it on the planet. It is a very powerful antibacterial. It's an antifungal. It's an antiviral. Nothing bad grows in honey for some reason. And honey virtually maybe the only or one of the only foods that in its natural state with no preservation techniques can remain viable and, and healthy for years or decades. I think that I have read that it's virtually forever. That's kind of weird. And if that's the case, how do we ferment in it? I, I, I don't know if we're really fermenting here. They, I, all the recipes say it's fermented. It works just like fermenting, but 
are we maybe just preserving the peppers in the honey and there's no real fermentation going on? I'm not sure. Either way, I still love this idea. If there truly is, we can maybe honey, maybe honey is such an amazing food that it knows the difference between good and bad bacteria. I don't know. It's kind of a stretch. But either way, the resulting product is really pretty darn cool. Like I said, the, the honey will pull almost all the moisture out of the peppers, and it really, really thins the honey down. Two advantages to that. One, we get a lot more of it. Two, we really, really reduce the carbohydrate load that's there. Because the resulting product, like I said, it's about the consistency of maybe half and half, maybe even whole milk. I mean, it actually pours really easily. So now we're not getting that big sugar load because we've done the opposite of what we do when we concentrate something. We're diluting this. We're diluting the honey with all the liquid we pull out of the peppers. So it really brings the sweetness level down. That's why with the right heat level, it becomes a savory food ingredient. You know, as I'm talking about this, I'm really starting to wonder if I have lost my mind. I'm finding so many reasons why this is a really cool idea. But it can't be that big. Can't be. I think I'm going to stop there. Um, you know what I should do? Did I? You know what? I must have left my Remarkable in the other room today. That's my note-taking device. I don't see it here in the studio. I have pages and pages and pages and pages of recipe ideas and other ways we can use. Oh, here's one. Here's one I want to throw out. Since we're talking about really functional foods here and functional drinks, the next level of this as a medicinal would be to use Manuka honey. I'm just going to stop there and I'm going to go to the phones and, uh, Oh, you know what? We've got John. I wonder if John's been listening. If not, he's going to have to, uh, try to get up to speed here quickly. John, welcome. Oh, I've been listening. Hey, good to what? be here, Kevin. <laughs> Have I gone off my rocker here? Have I lost it completely? No, not really. It, it, you uh, again. I'm 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 so uh, carnivore right now that uh, or trying to be at the moment. Uh, you know, aside from an avocado once in a while or something, and I can't help but get you know, uh, Paul Saladino's microtoxins and toxins that are in plants out of my head. Uh, it's kind of messing with me a little bit. But uh, yeah, yeah, the honey thing, you're right about fermenting. You know what mead is, right? So since medieval times, right. there's, there's, they've been fermenting right. honey forever. You know, and it gets nice and fizzy even. It's, it's delicious. Uh, yeah, so that's, yeah. Uh, that, that's, you know, this has gone on since, you know, before, since, since, since you know, B.C. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah exactly. Uh, right. Yeah, you're really, and, and you're really you know, you're getting semi-ancestral here. I mean, you're not going that far, but, yeah, you're uh, going back a couple thousand years at least. So, yeah. I, I think I'm a huge honey fan. I, I, uh, I fought allergies my whole life. That's like just – I don't even know exactly what, not that I've ever been doing allergies or anything, but I know in the spring and the fall when things are blooming and things are dying, I'd – 
always have uh, you know, crusty eyes and be a little stuffy and whatever. And I got on to using uh, raw uh, pollen. I, I just pollen. I don't oh, use yeah. honey because yep. because I'd have right. to take so much of it to get what I get in a half a teaspoon of pollen. So I'll do, you know, there's always, always a bottle of pollen, local pollen in my fridge. And I'll, you know, maybe not every day, but I'll, at least once or twice a week, I'll have just a half a teaspoon. And it, it's cleared it up, like, completely. Like, like they so, don't exist anymore. I have none of so that. Not that. And I, I already did local. Okay. Go on. So not that I didn't already have enough ideas, but you just gave me another one. Why couldn't we put <laughs> that pollen into the fermented honey to kick up that honey factor oh absolutely could yeah and the, the trick is though with, with the pollen you don't want generic you don't want to buy stupid pills that, that you know don't really have oh no right exactly your body any of that stuff that, that's all a waste of time uh you know go there i've got at least three you know within 10 miles of me three beekeepers that i could go to and they pretty much exactly. give that stuff away like nobody wants it but me <laughs> so <laughs> they'll charge me My... three bucks for a bottle full of it and that's it so oh, wow. it's awesome. Yeah. There's a whole company built on that idea of the propolis and the pollen and the honeycomb itself. And they make all kinds of crazy products like food and lip balm. And I, I met them at uh, Mindshare a couple of years ago. I'm going to go back and look them up. But one of the first things on my list is to find a really unique local honeymaker. Uh, you're right. There, I don't want anybody using junk here. I want you to seek out the craziest, you know, honeys that are are done right, like you're talking about. And we get all the the pieces. But here's the other thing. So I, I get the carnivore part, but we're talking about a, for example, a barbecue sauce for smoked meats that, in reality you are probably getting less than a teaspoon of honey itself in the sauce in a right. serving that you, you might put on a, on a big, you know, rack of ribs. When it comes right down to it, we may not even be measuring the carbs in here. I, the other thing I have to find out if this truly ferments, which I'm not sure how it can in honey, or if it's just some other weird preservation thing, if it truly ferments, is the bacteria eating the sugar and even lowering the sugar count more? It probably is. Yeah, that, that, that would make sense. Yeah. If the bacteria can survive in there, which is the weird thing about this, I've got to go figure this out. So we're not even worried about the carb load here. Because in reality, by the time you get to a serving of one of these foods or drinks, there's very little actually honey. It's been diluted, may have been fermented. So I'm not worried about the, the carb factor here. It's just going to be too small. Right. Especially in the savory foods, because, you know, we, it, we have to get enough heat to overcome the sweet to create the savory foods. But then we can't have too much heat for the people who don't want heat. So that's the other cool thing about this. You get to customize every batch. Here's how easy the fermentation is. This is so stupid. Take whatever blend of peppers you want or one pepper, whatever you want. Chop up the pepper. I usually just slice them because that's the fastest. Pack those peppers into the jar. You want to pack them down and keep packing down, smash them even. And then all you do is pour honey over it, raw honey. We need the, the bacteria. It can't be pasteurized mm -hmm. honey. Well, maybe there's the answer. 
Yep. We don't pasteurize honey because <laughs> we would kill the. That's so weird, right? Yeah. yeah. That's so weird. And if we did, the, all the recipes I read said if you use back pasteurized honey, it's not going to work because there won't be enough bacteria just on the pepper alone. I don't know if right. any of that's true or not. I got to figure that out. So you pack it down, you pour honey over it. There's no brine here. There's no salt. There's no measuring. You put a lid on it and leave it out. That's it. Right. And I don't think this could go bad. I don't think you could ever have a bad ferment. Probably not. And I know some people use honey when they make their when they make some kombucha. They honey to get the scoby going. I think they use that instead of sugar. Oh yeah, right. Uh, and there were some interesting you know, breakfast drinks or you know energy day starter things that were uh, apple cider vinegar and honey stuff that you would mix up and and uh, have a shot of in the morning that seemed to really work pretty well too. I do worry so about the, sugar the drink vinegar that, stuff, especially cider vinegar. It, right. Yeah. The the drink that I'm drinking right now is one of these that I've developed and I absolutely love and. So have you tried the Thai curry bone broth? No. Is that in your store? So, yes, we have a beef bone broth that's flavored in Thai curry. So now Thai curry goes really well with coconut. So here's the, the drink. The Thai curry bone broth has the base. Four Sigmatic makes these this line of creamers functional creamers they call them so it's mct oil powdered and then they're adaptogen mushrooms in different blends and different strengths so for a morning i used um like their their line of think they they break their adaptogens down into think defend immunity uh, balance and chill those are all the things we're trying to establish with you know different times throughout the day so i'm using the think and kind of energize in the morning so it's a coconut based um powdered creamer so it's got mct oil and coconut milk in it that's the base of it so there's no dairy and then it's got those think kind of adaptogen mushrooms and they use a little bit of monk fruit so there's no real sweetness to the creamer itself, maybe a little bit, but not much. So I put that creamer in, then some butter, then some light balance, and the hot honey. And that blend that for like a, you know, like an NDK coffee, but it's a bone broth. Mm-hmm. Because I'm, right. I'm now alternating mornings between caffeine and no caffeine. And that's working okay. pretty well. The, day, the days I use the caffeine, it's powerful. And I, I don't know if I'm going to build any. I took 30 days off caffeine to kind of reset my tolerance. So now caffeine works like Adderall on me. Um, and I think this alternating will kind of keep that going. Um, <laughs> it might be. The, oh, here's the other reason I may have had this dream last night. I'm not going to tell the whole story, <laughs> but I will tell one part of it. Um, Dr. Wolfson, did you hear his show the other day? I did not know. Uh, oh, you got to go back and listen to that Wednesday show. Okay, I'd like to. We had yeah. doc- Dr. Wolfson was just brilliant. Um, where were we? I was going somewhere with that. I had a point. Okay. 
What was I talking about? You were t- talking about uh, the, caffeine the, the, and taking some time off of it, and then somehow we got into Dr. Wolfson. I don't know what connected the two, but there was yeah, something, that. something that came up on the show. I'll have to try to come back to that because it, it was fits right into this, but I don't remember what it was. So that's the the drink I've got right now, which is a bone broth based drink um, right. with the coconut oil, with the coconut milk, with the hot honey. Um, it, so this is now one of my favorites. But think of all the possibilities. They make multiple creamers with multiple different blends of their mushrooms for different reasons. And then we have chicken bone broth and beef bone broth and Thai beef and all the different teas. And so the the list of these kind of functional drinks we can create is almost endless. That's Yeah, I need to get more into this. So mushrooms, again, I, I, I get conflicted about this stuff after, after, you know, reading so much about the carnivore, but... Um, Mushrooms just make me feel good. <laughs> I don't know how to put it. I I, I know. I eat them. Uh, it's, it's something you know. My 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 digestive system works better. I I feel a, a nice consistent energy from them, almost like a, from a fat even. Like I I really, you know, when I get down to eating few things, I'll have a I'll make myself a little steak for lunch, pretty much. You know, I'll, I'll alternate. Like one day I'll have a steak, the next day I'll have a big hunk of salmon, the next day I'll have a nice nice yeah. pork loin or yeah. something. And, I'll, and I have a grill behind the shop and. I eat most of my meals here. Actually. Nice. Like this is what I do. So I just, I just, you know, I'll, if I'm working and I'm hungry, I don't care what time it is. I'll, you know, always have something either in the freezer or in the fridge, or I, I try to keep stuff fresh. Actually, I don't, I, I don't try not to freeze too much. Um, but then, you know, I'll just, okay, I'm hungry. I'll go, you know, or I'll scramble a couple of eggs and make a steak. Or, but my favorite is I'll just do a little foil of mushrooms and toss them on the grill while I'm cooking my steak with just a little bit of butter, salt, and pepper. And that that is a meal that like will get keep me going for 24 hours. I'll be fine. Like I can yeah. I'll eat that and I'll be I'll be fantastic. And it does really seem to you know in the stuff that I've read of yours that we talked about before, uh, the way the mushrooms help with fat digestion. I think if you're doing the you know the, the high fat diet, I think mushrooms are a necessary part of it. Personally, I mean it really makes it work for me. Uh, but they just yeah they're fantastic. I I, I love them. There, there is something really special and unique about mushrooms, and and we might be able to argue that there's compounds in there that could be toxic, and I, I, but I think, you know, when you can't follow the science because science is all over the board, or maybe we just don't have enough better who did the, the science itself, and but mm-hmm. what if it's just about results sometimes, you know, we there I don't know of anybody who has any do, who has documented any kind of a downside to mushrooms, like we have with many other plants, the oxalates, the lectins, the phytates, the anti-nutrients. The, we could, right. We've documented why other plants aren't good for us. And I've said, maybe they weren't supposed to be food, maybe they're medicine. And we have to use them right, in the right doses, in the right ways. But we could go beyond that with mushrooms. I don't think anybody's documented a downside to the human body. They're very low in oxalates. Uh, yeah, I agree. Yeah, and again, they op- absolutely the opposite. So if uh, was it, you had Sally Norton on, that there there's some some truth to mushrooms keeping you from things like gout, right? Again, the the fat digestion mm-hmm. and the being able to keep right. that, uh, you know that stuff going through you rather than settling somewhere or mixing with an oxalate and whatever that causes the uh, the crystals to form. 
you know, so so I really think that there's there's a whole lot to to mushrooms. So, yeah, it, it, like I said, I'm doing some ferments right now. I, I I get the wide mouth mason jars. I get some little glass weights that go on them. So I've got some some sauerkraut going at the apartment. It'll probably smell great in about a month. But uh, oh yeah, well you know, that's right. <laughs> I just put it in the cupboard. It doesn't matter. I don't care. <laughs> so so I've got I've got like a half dozen wide mouth jars, tall jars, and these two little ferments in them. Uh, I, I bought on Amazon this little ferment kit with these little glass weights to to sit on your stuff there and then just put a piece of cheesecloth over it and let it sit there and percolate for a while it's uh it's fantastic so uh, yeah i'm yeah the fermented so well eating kimchi and krauts and, and and so forth and yeah and 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 meat of course so i did a um a big big like weekend of fermenting when I was harvesting so much cabbage out of my garden a couple months ago. Like I had Chinese cabbage and Napa cabbage and green cabbage and purple cabbage. And I did all kinds of beet ferments and my, I just have a refrigerator loaded with that. And when you open it, <laughs> the smell, it's, it, I think that's an acquired smell too. You know, now when I open that and that smell hits me, I'm like, Oh Yeah. <laughs> but it's it's pretty potent, yeah. Pretty potent. I grew up there. with it. I mean, there there was the there was the crock of crock yeah, going see, I didn't. steps at my grandparents' house. So I had that. Yeah, my grandma always had. You know, that was that was that was a smell I'm used to. So yeah. Yeah, I wish I would have experienced that. That sounded it always it, so cool. That that yeah, that just goes on and on and on forever, just about. Oh yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So. All right. But, uh, so, so uh, real quick again, uh, following yeah. up, I think I just got home Sunday from uh, from Italy. Uh, I uh, wow. One we, of the reasons we have yeah. to do a whole show about that. I, it, it just it blows me away, and it, it, we could get into you know some sort of socio political discussion about it as well eventually. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm up for that today, but uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, it's you know I, I I share a lot of your libertarian views, and I I really agree with a lot of it. I'm again more socially liberal than than, than you, uh, you know, but uh, or maybe not. I, I mean, you know, personal freedoms to me probably probably you right. Know, I probably vote right. those. I probably vote those, I probably vote those before business. That's where we may differ. Um, no, I don't think so. I, I really think okay. if it came right down to it. Those are more important to me than the rest of it. Yeah, I'll, I'll and, and I think the reason why, you know what I mean, it, 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 the landscape that, might be a little rougher or not, but I, I've got my box of tools and my knowledge and whatever, and I'll, I'll figure out a way to make money always. So it's, uh, I think, you know, I, for, I think that's kind of the way that I approach it, that, look, if you give me enough personal freedom, the, the rest of it's going to take care of itself. The money, the business, right. I can take care of that. Just give me the personal freedom. So I really do think I fall more on that social freedom side. Right. I, I, I do too. And, and, you know, you know, where, where I think we need guardrails are great big businesses and health and, and, yeah. and pharmaceuticals yeah. and big food. I think, you know, we need to put the clamps on those buttheads as far as I'm concerned, but, you know, but again, where do you draw the line, right? Either, you know, if you're, if you're a true libertarian, I know. okay, the market will I sort know. it out. <laughs> how many generations <laughs> right. of people have to, you know, well, die first or whatever. Right. So, so that's it. But, but one of my takeaways from there, aside from the very clean eating, and I actually lost weight while I was there, even though I really didn't follow my diet very well. 
Um, That's awesome. It's just the clean eating, and you don't do a lot of it, and, and there are things available, and it's not what people think. They're not, like, serving you great big bowls of pasta. Pasta is a tiny little bowl right. before the meal. <laughs> the meal – so we had a team dinner that was almost like going to the Brazilian steakhouse, right? So, you know, they they had a little dish of lasagna nice. or pasta you could have. They had a nice antipasti before that, you know, meats and cheeses, and then it went to the little pasta, yeah. and then there was – and then the main course comes out. It's just meat. It's that there was lamb. There was a, it was it was, nice. it was just it's such a and it was a traditional four course Italian. And there was a little dessert at the end and a shot of espresso. And you know it just was. But I I thought for sure I was going to put five pounds on or something. I actually lost a little bit of weight. I was so when I was leaving on Saturday, I put my jeans on. I'm like these feel nice. Like they're 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 I, I thought for sure I was going to put a little weight on. And you know I'm like no no I definitely got to put another notch on the belt. You know I'm going to this hole again. And it it was fantastic. I was just clean. But the the thing the, one of the bigger takeaways aside from that stuff that seems to have somehow just sorted itself out over there. They just don't bother with that as big business. You know, okay, there's there, obviously there are no pharmaceutical ads on TV. There's none of that. There's no health anything, right. you know, coming up on your TV. No, no ad for for RA medicine or anything like that. People are all thin. <laughs> I mean, Southern Italy they're yeah, thicker than they are in Northern Italy, but it's not. They're not obese. Uh, they're they're just healthy and happy and content. It, it's pretty amazing. But the the way stuff works. They've got public Wi-Fi that's insanely good. They've got high-speed trains that are super functional. They've got an interstate system that is unreal, the the, the Autostrada. And the rest areas on the Autostrada are these gorgeous – you can just hang out there. It's like a nice restaurant and, and a stand-up coffee bar. Like People don't get their big 25-ounce or whatever – ounce thing of uh, <laughs> of a fizzy drink or or or, or great big yeah. coffee to take with them. You stand there well, and do a shot dessert of espresso in a and cup. Shot with the other truck drivers. Yeah, and right. that's we it. do we do dessert in a cup, a yeah. big cup, <laughs> <laughs> and we call it our morning coffee. That's well, not coffee. Oh, that's a decadent dessert. There's so much sugar and crap in there. It's, you're right. They, oh. They, it, it's, it's, here, I want to go back to your meal real quick before I forget this. Uh-huh. I can tell from the way you said it, and I, I'm a big foodie, so I understand this kind of thing. What you just described is, is a big part of what's wrong with our whole food culture. You didn't describe a meal. You described an experience. Yes. And it's every day. It, almost a and, ritual. And, same with the morning coffee is too. You walk into the coffee shop. Right. There aren't stools. They don't hand great big cups out. They get your little, you know, you, and, and, you, and everybody just gets a double shot of espresso. That's it. And then, and then the tiny little cup. Yeah, right. Some people put a little sugar in it. Most don't. And you stand there and they, they, everyone chats and you finish it. And you sit it down and you leave and go to work. Like it, it's, 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 it's it, such a, the, the culture is, that's an event too, is my point. Like it's just like dinner. It's an event. It's a little event every day. And, uh, you know, breakfast is the same way. And lunch is interesting. If you don't go out to lunch, if you're going to go out to lunch, you better do it before like one because every business shuts down at one o'clock or two at the latest and opens back up at 730. So we had a couple of team members who wanted to go to dinner at like 630 one day. And I looked at him like, you're not going anywhere right now. Everything's closed. What do you mean? I'm like, I'm going to the restaurant right now. <laughs> And we were right in we were right so, in Bologna, and they're like they got on their their phones. Obviously, looked like yeah, everything is closed till at least seven thirty. Then they stay open till midnight. It, it's fantastic. It's just it's it's so, so cool. <laughs> so instead of what we've done, 
they have taken these meals, whether it's morning for the coffee, and I want to come back to that too, or it's lunch where we really, you know, have a lunch or dinner later on. Or I, I know in Spain, they do this whole thing like tapas and appetizers from mm-hmm. like nine o'clock at night till midnight. And that's like, a, it's common for them to go hang out and eat tapas late, that late at night. Um, what they've done, though, is they have kept those times experiences separate from what we do all day for work. And we have incorporated all of our meals to just extend our work time. You go to Starbucks and you get the giant venti dessert in a cup and sit down and you start working (laughs) at the table, right? Yeah, with the sugar and caffeine high. Yeah, then you're going to crash from about two hours. Yeah. Yeah, or you grab it and get on the bus or the train, if that's how you commute, and you open up your laptop and you mindlessly suck down that swill while you're working. And then lunch, we have lunch meetings now. I'll just bring food in because we're going to work through lunch. And, And dinner, oh, you know, it got so late, we're still working. Let's just, we have just made meals a way to extend our work day. Absolutely. And yeah. they have kept them as separate experiences. And it's serious. They're serious about it. You just don't think twice. And the other thing, the respect they have for businesses shutting down in the middle of the afternoon every day, it's just, it's accepted. The grocery store. There's a cool little grocery store walking distance from the B&B where I stayed in Agropoli. And, you know, I'd get my, for lunch, I'd go out and do a walk every morning. I had these big plans when I got to Agropoli, which is the birthplace of my mom's grandfather. So my great grandfather came from there. I found some cousins and had a great time for my birthday and it was, it was fantastic. It was, it was, it was so cool. I had people singing to me in Italian and stuff. It was, it was, it was, it was awesome. But when I got there, I'm like, Oh, I'm going to go to Pompeii and I'm going to drive the Amalfi coast and I'm going to do all this stuff. And by the time I got to my room that night, I went out for a little walk the first night I got there. I'm like, I just, I'm just going to hang here. So I just hung in this little town and got to know people and walked around and, and, you know, they knew me at the little pub down the street and, you know, the, the language barrier was real, but we figured it out. It's not that hard to do. And it, it was dirt cheap. Like my, my, my room on the med overlooking the med was 60 euros a night. Like it was just, wow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it, it, it's like, uh, you'd spend more money going to Disney for a week than, than you'd spend going to a little town in Italy and hanging out. Yeah, you, you definitely would. So it, yeah, it's, it, it was amazing. But the, the, the facts of the way things work, like the, the train, when the high speed train goes by, that thing's going 230 miles per hour. It's nuts. Oh, wow. You see it. It blew me away, like 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 literally. Yeah. And the first one I saw was while I was driving. Yeah. It was along the autostrada, and I'm hey. going like 150 kilometers an hour. And this thing goes by me like I'm tied to a fence. I didn't know what it was. I'm like, what the hell is that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I have a comment on that. Oh, and I got to go back to my coffee experience. Okay, go back to the coffee. Like, okay, sorry. So I, get, I, I get can't believe on those. So. No, I, I'm glad you did. I want to make the comment on the train first and then remind me to go back to the coffee. This, I, my brain is working in overdrive, so I'm either delirious today or I'm brilliant. I'm not sure which one. Or maybe I'm deliriously brilliant. So the train, <laughs> the, I just yeah. took a big train ride to, you know, uh, from here, Portland to Chicago, and then from Chicago to Memphis. And you know that song we grew up with? I guess I never realized that was a real train. Oh, yeah. 
The city of New Orleans. Which one? I had the no city idea. Of oh, the absolutely. city of New Orleans. Oh yeah, yeah. That's we grew up with the song. It's been around forever. I could just about sing the whole <laughs> damn thing, and it never dawned on me that's a real train, and that train still runs every day. Yep. I took the so all train, the city of New there. Orleans down. I know the Empire Builder. <laughs> yeah, they've been around for a hundred yeah. years, and they still run every really? day. So, but my experience, Virginia, whatever of, that one was called in the song, that was real too. Yeah. Yep. Oh, I might not know that. I probably do if you can think of it. Um, I mean, I, I, so the experience I had was that there were times where we occasionally, if I remember right, we topped out at about eighty-five miles an hour at a, on a couple stretches. I was using a, an app, a GPS app, to track it. So. I think we topped out at 85 a couple times. Um, And there's another train line right next to you. And if you're in that straight, that other train's probably doing 85 or close to it. And they pass by really close. That experience of, of that when you're looking right out the window is incredible. I can't imagine what that's like if you have trains that are going 230 miles an hour past each other. It's 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 got to be nuts. I, I did not ride one. I think when I go back next year, and there are already plans being made for uh, the Ferrari World Final is going to be in a place called Mugello, which is just outside of uh, of oh, Florence. So I think we'll be in Florence next year for the races, and then I'm going to stay for a week again afterwards. There's no way. I can wow. I mean, if I could afford it, I might. Wow. Uh, it's just, so I don't, you know, so the thing that that pisses me off, you know, okay, they, they pay higher taxes than we do, but if you add what I pay in taxes and and if I paid for health insurance, it'd be another 600 a month. And if I, you know, when you add it all up, it's not a greater percentage than we pay. It really isn't. Uh, everything there is cheap. Like, like everything but fuel is, and again, maybe the exchange rate right now has got it, got it pretty good. But you could have that meal I described to you with the four courses, and a, and I had two quarter liters of wine. Uh, one wasn't enough, so they had little quarter liter crafts, and I had two of them. Uh, it was thirty six dollars, and they don't accept tips. Wow! They they will not. They, they get oh, mad. At tips. Oh man! So, so uh, don't forget to let me come back to my coffee point. But okay, now yeah, now yeah, you've go. got me on a now you've got me on a geopolitical point. Um, so if, if there are the, the, there are clearly things that I believe the government should be doing and it should be their primary role. And two of them, for me, my belief is that the first two things they should be providing are safety and security. We need a defense. It's a crazy hostile world. And if you don't have the the security and, and peace of mind to know that, what you build will not be taking away, taken away from you by somebody at gunpoint or some other country is going to come and overrun us and everything you built disappears. If you don't have that security, nobody builds anything. I just read a really interesting um, – Joel Salatin is over in Africa right now, mm-hmm. and he talked about this country where there's virtually no law. I mean it is, it is unbelievable, total anarchy. Um, right. If you try to raise sheep – that people just drive up onto your property with AK-47s and steal your sheep. He says that's not an exaggeration. It's insane. So you have to have security, both foreign and domestic, that another country isn't going to take, me, take us over and, and kill everything I created, and somebody here in this country can't take it away from me. 
That's the rule of law. So they, we have to start with that for a government. The next thing, really, really awesome infrastructure like you're describing. The problem is we spend all of our tax money on all this crazy other stupid stuff that the government should get the hell out of, and we don't do those things well, the real core of right. government. There are, yeah, I, I agree. And, I, and honestly, you know, I, I'll get take some heat from this, but I, I think healthcare as well. I think the infrastructure and, and healthcare to me should be like fire departments or police or whatever. We should all be able to have it. That, uh, the fact that it's that one based and we'd have to go. Based, it's completely, you know, it's, you, I know it's a hard way to get there. We'd I mean, have to go back to the how, beginning. How would, right. Yeah. It's, we'd have to go back to the very beginning. I, I don't either. And we can never yeah. fix the broken crony capitalism that is so rampant in our healthcare system, our sick care system, that it can't be fixed. I am open to the idea that there could be a system that is managed like infrastructure. I, I don't know. We've made such but, a but, mess of ours, it's hard I, to, to figure that I, out. But I'd be I open to the idea. I do it. But again, you, you well, maybe not. the crony capitalist thing. So how do you do that and not – it would be a big dent right. in the in the economy. Yeah. I mean everybody's 401K is invested in some for-profit pharmaceutical or something. You don't even know it's invested in, right? So it's how do you how do you get to that point where that, that, that's not – I I don't think we can. I just don't think it could ever happen here again. Uh, who knows? I mean I would okay. have, I think it must get really bad before it does. But uh, yeah, I just yeah. think that bullet yeah. left the gun and ain't coming back. So right. Well, I mean – but even think about the two things I just said, you know, a, a, a very, very limited government that starts first on defense, born and domestic, then infrastructure before it does anything else. And we should be right. absolutely careful about letting it do much of anything else without really, really thinking it through first. Well, if you just think about those two things, they're never going to happen <laughs> that's, that's, I, we can talk about it. That's well, never going to happen. Right. I mean, like I said, you could put so the healthcare thing. You're right. That it's, it's, yeah, that's, it's not, it's right. Not, that's not, not none of these things are ever going to happen. <laughs> right. Right. So, so you know, we can dream and we can say what you know what a utopia would be, and we would revolutionize the world. <laughs> and, but it, it ain't happening. Come on. It's not. No. So here's what we're going to do with that. At that. Crossroad. I'm going to tell my little coffee story, and Go we're going to grab a call story, and see yeah. where this thing go. So, okay. we know we we joke about it. Here, we have turned coffee into a giant cup of dessert for breakfast, lunch, on the way home from work. You talked about the coffee culture there. A couple shots of espresso in a little cup. Think of the other yeah. cultures around the world that built a culture around coffee. Like you know, the Brits built their culture around tea. And they do tea right, you know, and it's pretty amazing for them. The Japanese or the Asians built a culture around green tea. And they have crazy people over there that it takes like 10 years before you're allowed to serve green tea because you have to learn so much about it. I mean, it's insane. They're so obsessive about things like that. But think about the cultures around coffee, Cuban coffee. Have you ever had it? Oh, yeah. What does it come in? A tiny little cup. Tiny cup. Very little cup. Turkish coffee. It's every one of these cultures 
just tiny little cups, and that hasn't changed for a thousand years. Well, you know as well as I, we, you know, there's excess everywhere here, right? Everything, everything is in excess, and it's part of what makes yeah. us us, it seems. Um, yeah, so and there's some upsides to that, but unfortunately, we allowed the downsides to just take over. Right. <sighs> We're going to take a call. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> we'll see where this goes. Maybe um, we can talk about trucks. Some, someone have a truck I doubt it. I, well, I even warned him at the beginning. If you're not into the food and the health and the Freaky Friday thing, just go listen to something else today. Go listen to uh, who's who's on Road Dog right now, Casey. Go listen to Casey Phillips right now if you want to hear about trucks. I hear that's what he talks about. Let's, I tried uh, listening to him once or twice. It does, it did, I, I couldn't. I, I just couldn't do it. Uh, there was nothing that was remotely interesting there. <laughs> Oh, come on. They had to be talking about the uh, your favorite flavor of licorice some, on some day, right? <laughs> I'm, I'm a black licorice uh, guy. Yeah, go on. <laughs> yeah, it was, see, there you go. All right, we're 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 going to go to – we got to get out of this quick. We're going to go to Dallas. Scott, welcome to the program. Morning, guys. Hey, uh, morning. Uh, you're on my wavelength. Uh, you're on my wavelength uh, for the uh, the honey and the peppers. So uh, just real quick, I've been listening to you for about six years now. started fermenting because of you. I do it all the time. It makes my wife crazy because I have a special cabinet I call the fermentation <laughs> station that makes her mad because yes. it smells. Yes. <laughs> right? That's right. That's right. I, I, right. I just talked about that. Well, those in my apartment. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Right. Yep. So about two years ago, uh, almost two years ago, uh, and I live in an HOA too, uh, in Texas. Uh, I, I built a chicken coop, and I, I got four four hens, and which now has grown to eight. So I get during the summer, cool. uh, I get about four eggs, you know, and, and all I eat is eggs. And probably four years ago, I quit buying white eggs, right? So I started spending extra nice. money, and I thought, you know what, I'm just going to do my own thing. I have my own garden in the back, and and through learning what, what the best thing to eat in the garden, it really boils down to, with the amount of space that I have, tomatoes, onions, garlic, peppers, you know, a couple other things. I don't grow any of the crazy stuff. I do grow asparagus, okay. but I keep, I keep it lean, right? I would call that right. a salsa garden. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So yeah. with the eggs, and I'm eating, I eat about four eggs a day probably about five days a week and doing that you gotta i try to come up with a quick process to doing it because you know i I also have an egg steamer and that's that's pretty quick too but i like i like making omelets with bacon and and all the goods yeah about i don't know four years ago uh i i started fermenting garlic in honey and one thing i put that on I put that on everything. I mean, I eat it by the spoonful. It's so good. And then my omelets were made with that. I, I just keep a jar of it, and I just pour it right on top of the omelet with Swiss cheese. Onions are, I, you know, saute the onions. But then I started putting this stuff, the peppers, in the garlic honey and fermenting it yeah. together and experimenting with that. Oh, yeah. And it is phenomenal. It's awesome. So it, here's the weird thing. We've all spent the last however many years, eight years for me, uh, we've spent the last eight years getting rid of this taste for sweet stuff. I, I, I almost despise things that are sweet anymore. 
except this isn't what people think. You do not end up with a really sweet product because it dilutes so much. The heat balances the sweet. And when you put this in the right amounts in savory foods, there really is no sweet component to this. It's crazy. I totally agree. It's it's the the most delicious thing I've. I mean, it goes and it, it pairs with everything because it changes. It just slightly, you know, twists the flavor of anything you put it on, and it becomes different every yeah. single time. So, I'm I'm with you, man. It's just it's awesome. More people knew how to do this, or or could at least try it. Yeah, they, you're. I mean, once you go there, you don't go back. There's so many, like you said, there's so many different ways that you can twist honey. Uh, with with seasoning or or you know with garlic or with peppers or it's or or how the honey was produced in the first place. You get these crazy yeah. local craft honeys where the bees only feed on mint, where they only feed on turmeric, or they only feed on sunflowers. Or here's one of my ideas: I want to find the local beekeeper that's making the most unique honeys around, these really cool craft unique honeys. And I'm developing a line of peppers, like I have this, this original pepper blend. So now I wanna to talk to one of these honey, these beekeepers and say, if I bring you my line of seeds and I show you how to grow them using the same methods I grow, because it's incredible the output, Will, is it possible to have the bees feed on the pepper plants to produce the honey? Right. <laughs> Wouldn't that be cool? Nice. I, there's a, there's cool. a craft you know, beer be place cool here. Start raising bees. <laughs> oh. uh, well, that, uh, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm that thinking of doing that, too. Uh, <laughs> I've got room to raise bees here. I might, I, might, I might do some hives <laughs> next year, actually. Yeah. See, I got that yep. idea. There's you know, a craft I told my beer place here that... That they they make this bacon flavored beer, which is really cool and it's unique. And you'd think, oh, that'd be awful, but they did a really good job on it. But all of the when they brew the beer, they take all of the mash that's left over and they feed it to the pigs that they get the bacon from. <laughs> oh yeah. Yep. So I thought, well, why not have the bees? pollinate the peppers and create this unique honey from each different pepper blend. We create a little pepper patch with this blend and then the bees feed on it. And the bees make the honey. Right. Yeah. When I, when I told my wife, that I, so was gonna, I, I, uh, I was interested. In I haven't gone off the deep store. end. Not no, at all. I, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. My next so thing here's my goal. And, and I pulled, the, I, I pulled the trigger on the chickens. And now that uh, she knows I want bees, she just looks at me. And she's like, don't you even think about it. I'm like, we'll see. Yeah, yeah. Oh, bee, bees would be awesome. There are some cool new, um, cool new hive designs on the market now that are designed for really small at-home um, uh, hive. You know, not big. You're not managing a ton of bees. I saw one that actually, like, automated the harvesting of the honey process. Like the, the this hive just maybe I I didn't I I have yeah. I just bookmarked it somewhere so that when I think about it again I can go back and look at it I didn't look at it at all but it it looked like it was almost 
almost an automatic kind of thing where, you know, you set this thing up, the bees start doing their thing and you come out and you, you just gather some honey. Yeah, there's one, they're out of Australia. I've been following them for about three or four years, uh, the Flow Hive. And they do, they have different okay. models, uh, different capacities, and it is. It's just pretty much, it, it looks like a, a, a soda machine. I mean, the honey's there, then you do a couple twists, the way they've built this thing, and honey just flows. <laughs> I So I will still probably go out here really soon, maybe even this weekend, and look for a local uh, honey because I want to get this thing started, but I may just also start doing my own bees in the garden um, so I could control a lot of this myself, and I'd have pollinators, and so that's... Uh, it's just like your uh, part of your garden cool. thing, yeah. So that's low exactly. high thing. There's, a, there's, a, there's an ice cream shop in Watkins Glen, New York, that's got one of those on the side of their building, and there's like a, I don't want to call it a spigot, but, but it, it literally runs inside. <laughs> and call they it put their fresh honey right on, it's like a, yeah, it's like a tap, yeah, they, if they catch it yeah. inside. And it's really interesting. So yeah, so it's fresh honey, immediately fresh honey, and they drizzle it on your ice cream there, which, which was just yeah. delicious. So, yep. But uh, th those are really cool. Hey, uh, so uh, really cool. Here's a, another cool idea. We create some of these really, really unique um, hot honeys and just do shots of it. <laughs> That'll work. Oh, yeah. all, all the time. It, it do it all the time. It's awesome. I'll, I'll bet you do. I'll bet you do. Hey, I, I, so I have another. I have another weird fact about eggs. Since you brought up eggs, yeah, I read this the other day, and as soon as I read it, I thought that's absolutely the case with me, and I bet it is with everybody. If I make like scrambled eggs, you know, just maybe throw some cheese, whatever you want to do it, but you're you're eating scrambled eggs. I'm pretty positive that on a good day when I get off the air and I'm looking forward to my one meal and that's all I'm going to eat, I'm pretty sure I could eat 10. You know, decent size eggs, not the, you know, big jumbos, but you don't see those in natural eggs much. You know, a, a decent size medium egg maybe. I bet I could eat 10. You, that wouldn't mm -hmm. be hard, would it? No. I don't I don't think so. John, I usually either I one of you? Yeah, I can, I can eat 10. No, I... I'll I'll do four for now, a meal sometimes easily. Like I'll sit down and I'll I'll fry up four eggs. Um, yeah. You know, in the morning, if if I ever, you know, if and when I make bacon or, or sausage or something, I'll, I'll I'll just crack a couple eggs in the grease as soon as I'm done and let them sizzle up in that and then eat so, them. And yeah, that's that's yeah, now I could, I could easily eat ten in a day. That wouldn't be hard at all. Now, do you do you think you could eat ten hard boiled eggs? I don't think I could no. possibly choke them down. Isn't that yeah, weird? That choke was. Choke was the correct word there, yeah. Yeah, that was right. I would never be able to get through <laughs> ten hard boiled eggs. Yep. Yeah, you know, John, you mentioned something about cooking, uh grilling. Uh, I do the same thing and I do it for breakfast all the time. I'll just grab grab my oh, eggs yeah. and my honey, all my stuff. I'll get out there, open the open the grill, fire it up and, mm -hmm. and just I just eat it right out of the cast iron skillet outside. It's just a put a spin yep, nice. on another way to yeah. eat quickly eat a meal and get it down and keep going right but it's so good it's so good yeah exactly who, yeah it's uh who knew who knew carnivore could be so exciting it's seriously you throw some bacon and that's that, that's where everything starts you cook bacon and then while i'm 
eating the bacon, I start cooking the omelet with the honey and the peppers and the onions and the broccoli, whatever I want to put in there, right in the skillet, in the bacon grease with a big old fat slab of Kerrygold so, butter. Oh, my gosh. So here is my favorite way to do wings now. Um, I, 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 I'm a little sad because when we remodeled our kitchen, which was the first project we did when we bought this house, um, we really expanded the kitchen, and I actually put in a deep fryer built in. I have a counter over there with the deep fry station, and, and because wings, that was my major reason I love wings. Now, though, my favorite way, I just did this the other day working on this idea, I smoke them on my Traeger. My Traeger will crank up to 500 degrees pellet smoker. You better keep it really, really clean inside if you did the, do this, though. I almost burnt down our house. Um, <laughs> I had been using this method for so long, and it was working, but I didn't realize I was getting some grease buildup inside. And my smoker is almost right up against the, the side of the house, and it's natural cedar siding. Um, and I, came, I got a, a warning because my Traeger's Wi-Fi. I got this warning of overheat. And I'm like, overheat? I've never seen that before. And I walked outside and flames were shooting out of the back of that thing and kind of scorched the siding a little bit. So I'm hosing everything down and I went to open the grill and it was like a fireball exploded out of there, singed my eyebrows. I'm like, holy cow, you get this thing <laughs> under control here. So if you're going to use this method in a pellet smoker, keep it clean. But I will crank that thing up to 500. I have a, a rub, a spice rub I like to do on the wings. And I wait till it's up to full temperature and I stick them in there. And it takes about 15 minutes and they come out smoky and crisp. And then mm. I created my first wing sauce with this idea, fermented hot honey buffalo. So I just took my traditional, nice. I do a garlic buffalo, um, heavy on garlic. So now, now I might just add fermented honey garlic instead. But I do a traditional buffalo garlic sauce, and then I add the hot honey to it. And between the smoke, crispy wings and that hot honey wing sauce. Oh, I could start a restaurant chain on that one recipe, I think. <laughs> yeah. At least a food truck. You know, you, you mentioned, Kevin, you mentioned something earlier about uh, apple cider vinegar. I mean, it doesn't bother me. I like the taste of it just, you know, just uh, straight or, you know, diluted in water. But yeah. I've poured some yeah. of the, the honey pepper garlic in that too. And it's delicious. <laughs> It it's is. Awesome. You're right. I mean, that becomes a totally that becomes a tonic on its in itself. It's just a tonic. Just drink yeah. it. it. It's that it becomes right. that mild, and the flavor is so unique. You've never experienced anything like that, right? So there is a uh, pizza shop near here. Oh, not not that I eat much not, eat much uh, pizza anymore. But they serve they, they do a hot honey there that they serve with their pizza. So they go they put little red peppers and whatever in the in the honey and it's at every table and it's on a little little squirt bottle and you put a little drizzle of it on your pizza and it's fantastic. Uh, again, I haven't had it. it, it it's years, so it's unique for a while. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's so unique. And this this hot honey thing is kind of catching on. 
So that that's really, like I said, all these things came together in this weird dream. Oh, here, 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 this might be why I had the dream. This isn't the whole story. I'm going to save the whole story if this turns out to be something. But this could just fall on its face. I don't know. I don't think so. But if it did, then I'm never going to tell the story. If it takes off, I'll tell the whole story. But here's part of the story. We had, oh, that was the Dr. Wolfson piece. That's why I brought up Dr. Okay, Wolfson. So oh, you worked your way back to that. Great. I worked my way back finally. <laughs> so, that was a long journey. Holy cow. Um, he started talking. We got talking about sleep. And he's done a lot of work on sleep because almost everybody deals with has sleep issues. So if you've ever, you know, read what the natural world thinks about melatonin from the very first course I ever took to the first person I followed, the the standard answer on melatonin in the natural health world is use it as a crutch when you absolutely have to be careful about you know, it should be a very, very low dose, and you should only use it for a short period of time. We we just keep repeating it. I've repeated it over and over and over. Dr. Wilson said, that's bullshit. There's science out there. Nobody bothered to go look at the research that's already been done. There is no indication in any of the science that taking melatonin in high doses and long term has any impact on your body's ability to produce its own melatonin. We were told that, oh no, you start taking that, your body will stop producing it, you'll end up worse off than you were before, be careful. He said, that's bullshit. So the, the recommended dose in the functional world of melatonin is like a half a milligram. He's right. doing a hundred milligrams. I've never heard of such crazy high doses. One of the effects of high dose melatonin and i experimented with this before at 10 milligrams one of them is vivid dreams well i tried the 100 milligram thing last night it's a little biohacking okay. experiment that's where this dream came from i've experienced Can the same thing it? my my wife uh my wife takes melatonin every night and i you said you were going to experiment i was going to experiment with it last night too uh, but she's out of melatonin. I'm like, damn, I can't, I can't play around. But, I actually, but listen, I actually I, had to, I've, I had to go all over the house. My whole house is like a supplement biohacking factory. I've got supplements everywhere from everybody you can imagine. I had to go around the house and find like six different supplements to gather up enough melatonin to get to the hundred milligrams. That's why they Kevin, asked. I've done that. Can I've, I? Can you buy it? Can you can you get big, big I don't know. doses? In a, in a, I haven't had time here. I haven't had time to look yet. Here's what I really want to try to find. I want to find, and um, this probably does not exist. I may go to one. There are supplement companies out there that I've talked to that will do custom blending for you. You come to them with the supplement idea, and they'll work through it with you, and then produce it. So I may go talk to somebody about this if the whole high dose melatonin works. If we're going to take 100 milligrams of melatonin, my contention would be that it should be released over the whole night. And the, the only way you can really pull that off is with a transdermal patch. Yeah. Hmm. 
Yeah, hmm. I had the vivid dream too, uh, and that's why I don't normally take it because I don't typically have sleep issues. But with the times that I did take uh, melatonin or two, uh, it was the same. It was all over the place. So if I took a hundred milligrams, the dreams are crazy. I, 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 I know. Probably, probably have to go to that's, sleep in a straight jacket. <laughs> well, that's why that's why I, I woke I, up today after being a madman all night long writing page after page after page of notes about this stupid idea that starts with two ingredients. And I, I yeah. when I'm going to bed, I'm like, I'm going to wake up tomorrow. I'm going to look at all this and I'm going to burn it. It's got to be insane. Sure. And now I'm wondering, am I still under the effects of 100 milligrams of melatonin last night? Right. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. So I've never tried more than the the tiny recommended amounts of it and never did much for me. So you've got me curious, Doc, because I I struggle with sleep. My my mind just doesn't doesn't shut off. I I don't. uh, It's rare that I'm asleep before 1 a.m. I I do have another um, do have another thing for I don't know if you've seen me post it yet. That new sauna space light. No, I haven't seen that yet. No. Go check that out on HealthyTribe.com. I found a company. I've been doing all this work with the IR sauna companies uh, for my stress protocol. And I came across this company called Sauna Space. If you're in front of your computer, look at that. You will appreciate the design and the the build of their products. They make a they make light bulbs for infrared sauna. The bulb itself is what you would remember, like a, a floodlight bulb that you would put like out on your garage. Mm-hmm. It's about that size, oh, yeah, that shape. Right they are hand-blown glass with tungsten filaments. And this one, look under the photon therapy tab. That's the light I'm talking right. about specifically. Yeah, yeah, I see it. Yep. Yep. So that that's a Faraday cage around the bulb. Right. They shield That's all cool. the connectors. They are claiming zero EMF. They have the closest spectrum to the sunlight. Of It's primarily near-infrared, which I just learned a lot new about near-infrared. A little bit of mid-infrared and a little bit of far-infrared, as close to the sunlight spectrum as possible with no UV. So hmm. this thing produces an incredible incredible amount of heat on your body. You know that feeling when you walk outside and the air is cold, but you've got a nice intense sun and your body starts to get hot, sometimes even hot enough to sweat, I, I, although I the air outside is so cold. Right. That's, that's what this uh, bulb does. That's what, what draws me to Colorado is I, I don't care about the cold. Y- yeah. You've always got the UV. You've always got that 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 sun that heat that infrared heat that heats your body not the air that's what this bulb does so i was struggling with my sleep cycle was all screwed up i i was struggling to drag myself out of bed at seven in the morning i like to get up between four and four thirty i have tons of time to do research and reading and writing with no interruptions and i just could not reset my cycle. I've been working on it for like a year. And part of this whole adaptogen sleep protocol that I worked with Danielle on was also working on this light. 
So now this portable light. Do you see the wood base they put this thing on? And oh, it's beautiful. They, they well, actually I love use the tent. A, I like the little tent. Isn't that awesome? You, you oh, the, everything they make. <laughs> well, we're going to come back to this. Don't you love the way they put a full residential light switch on this thing? Oh, yeah, yeah, the rocker switch. Yeah, I have those all through my house. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a work of art. This light is. So I, I use this light to reset my sleep cycle. So I, I started using it late in the afternoon to kind of counteract all the blue light. And then as it started to get dark at night, I, I would start to minimize my time around it and then quit at some point. And then I forced myself to get up one morning at four when I didn't really want to. And I turned on the light and I work in the morning with this light on me. That should reset. And it did. It reset my melatonin cortisol cycle. Now, nice. every day, now I wake up between four and 4.30 in the morning with no alarm. And I am up and ready to work. And I get really, really sleepy around eight o'clock. That's how I fell asleep last night so early. It's pretty incredible. So, so look at one of their other product, products in there. They have a kit that turns your shower into a sauna. And I thought, that's really cool. Why couldn't we build a kit to turn a sleeper into a sauna? Right. Oh, this is awesome. What did, I didn't find that one yet. Sauna this under saunas? I think so. so my or maybe my old YMCA that that got that got shut down had a wonderful steam room in it and a sauna, but the steam room I, I loved as well. And yeah. I'd go there late morning, and a bunch of old men would be there complaining about everything in the world. Would sit in there and talk. Right. <laughs> It was, it was my, it was awesome. Yeah, it was, it was just, uh, yeah, they had a sauna. So you do the sauna and the, uh, I don't see it yet. But yeah, the shower thing, me, that sounds really good. Let me I go, a good steamy shower. Let me go find it. Might yeah. be under accessories. Okay. See if I can find it real quick. Up. Uh, sauna components. I bet that's where it's going to be. Red. Shower sauna conversion kit. Look on, go to the home page, and right. click on shop, and then components, sauna components. Okay. Oh, look at how brilliant that is! Isn't that incredible? <laughs> yeah, that's great. Why can't we do that in a sleeper? Oh, you could. One light. That would be. Fantastic. I've already checked. That one photon light draws 270 watts. So a, a thousand watt inverter, 1500 watt inverter should power three bulbs. Three bulbs might yeah. be too much for a sleeper. I added this one bulb. I have a far infrared tent set up where you put a chair inside the tent, you sit on it, and your head sticks out, and you zip it up around you. And it has two far infrared generators in it. And they can produce a lot of heat and really get you sweating. I was doing my Wim Hof breathing four sessions, which is almost exactly 20 minutes, in the sauna. 
So I was getting 20 minutes of sauna exposure and the breathing. And towards the last part of the, the, you know, last round, it started to get pretty uncomfortable. You know, you, you were really looking forward to ending the session and getting out. Um, I put the end, I was documenting most days in that 20 minutes. If I weighed right before I went in, then did 20 minutes, then took a shower, weighed again, no, no water intake, no nothing. I was losing about a pound in 20 minutes. I put this one single bulb inside that tent with the two far infrared generators. I couldn't make it to the 20 minutes. I got to my third round, which is, you know, between 12, roughly 12 and 15 minutes or so. And I was so uncomfortable that I had to quit after three rounds. There was a puddle in the bottom of the tunnel and I lost two pounds in about 15 minutes. Wow. Wow. That was with one bulb inside that tent with the infrared generator. And is that, you end up with that good, clean feel, you know, all your pores opened up and everything else. Oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. And, I'm probably going to buy and one I, I have another theory here. So I, I know that a lot of this new energy I've got, this my sleep improving, um, you know, resetting my sleep cycle, the mental clarity, um, the creativity. I, I'm putting that down to the whole stress protocol that I've been working on, the whole sleep protocol, the adaptogens, kind of all of it. But I, I forgot about something here. Oh, I I, um, I talked about the week I was gone. I had two big speaking mm-hmm. events, a ton of other events every day. The train ride is pretty stressful. I wasn't doing any of the protocol anymore because it was just too much to try to take it all with me and do my. I was still doing the show on the road while I traveled, so I kind of just got away from it. And the train ride, for some reason this time, just wrecked my sleep again. I just could not sleep on the train this time. And I used to sleep really good on a train. So I was like three hours a night, right from day one. Then I got to the hotel in the first event and they were booking us on really late dinners and all the speakers were, were eating and traveling together. And I, I was not getting any sleep at all. And yet I was, I felt amazing. Like I was sharp and I had energy and I thought, this can't last. I'm going to crash tomorrow. And I didn't. And I thought, why, why was I able to maintain that for seven days? I mean, I would have thought two or three days of that. And I, you know, I would have been in the ER if I would have pushed it more than that. And at the end of the seven days, I felt really good. Now, a lot of my scores had tanked. So I don't think I could do this for long. My HRV had tanked. My sleep scores obviously were horrible. But I got thinking, one of the benefits of the infrared that we're, we're really learning a lot now, and the near infrared is the driver of this effect, it interacts directly with the mitochondria in our cells, and it increases the length of the telomeres. The telomeres, they say, if they can measure your telomeres and watch their progression, they can almost predict how long you're going to live. That, that's, 
as the telomeres start to die off, as they get shorter and shorter, that cell will die when the telomere gets too short. If we keep the telomeres nice and long, the cell doesn't die. And the mitochondria in the cell is the power plant. That's where all of our energy comes from. Whether we use sugar as the fuel or alcohol as the fuel or fat as the fuel, the, the, the fuel's converted to energy in the mitochondria in our cells. I've been doing this really intense IR therapy. What if all of these benefits or a big part of these benefits are simply coming from the, my power plants in all my cells are just working really efficiently. I just tied this all into trucking technology and efficiency. See that? <laughs> you did. <laughs> I'm, I'm creating efficient little power plants all over my body. <laughs> right. Cool. That's awesome. <laughs> All right, we, uh, I should probably look at what's going on with the phone calls here. And um, Scott, that was awesome call. conversation. You, you got to yes, start, are you unhealthy tribe? I am. You know what I was going to say? I'll, I'll share some of the stuff that I'm doing on there. Absolutely. Pictures, procedures, yeah. processes, recipes, please share that. I'd love to see them. I'll do it. You guys have All a great right. day. And, We'll talk to you soon. We're going to go to Georgia. Paul, welcome to the program. Howdy. This is your Kiwi correspondent. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Ki Kiwi-infused hot pepper honey. I'm not really what do you think about that? Kiwi fruit. I'm, I'm not, I, made I love kiwi fruit. kiwi fruit, but I'm not really a oh. fan on it. Yeah. I love kiwi. So. So does my wife. <laughs> well, good. <laughs> yeah. That that recipe's going on my list idea, my idea list. Kiwi infused yep. hot pepper honey. There you have it. Manuka kiwi fruit with manuka honey. There with manuka, manuka honey, yeah. of course. That's oh, right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. So, I'm going to slide some trucking in here. Yesterday, oh, okay. I'm going east. Yesterday, I'm going east on I-20 in South Carolina, and a vehicle going west, first I thought it was a big RV, and I'm looking, it gets closer, and I say, hang on a minute, and I look, and it was a FH Volvo Globetrotter cab over, straight truck. Oh, really? Really? Yeah. I, I would like love to know how they got that over here. Well, it looked like kind of a late model one. And I don't know huh. what he had on the back. It, it looked like some sort of dump truck, big high-sided bin, or whether it was a, a box or something. But I'm, I'm pretty sure it may have been parked in the rest area in Georgia last night when I went back west. But I was going, you know, can't walk across the interstate, so I didn't get to look. So, yeah. Interesting. That uh, yeah. I would love to get my eyeballs and I'd love to get my hands on one over here. You want well, to hey, well, Oh yeah. So yeah. Semi semi related when we were uh, you know I was posting my pictures there while I was in in, in Italy of trucks that uh, you know that Nicola thing they don't make that's a that's a that's a Nattel oh, designer Tel Sis or something 
It's actually an Aveco. It is exactly all it is. So yeah. someone posted a picture okay. of it. Well, I saw a few of them on the road over there with the Nikola. Did you really? You know, they, yeah, actually, absolutely. And they, there are hydrogen filling stations. And it's, a, okay. it's a, an Iveco with a big N on the front of it to the right of the, the Iveco oh. emblem. And I saw one on the road, then I saw another one, and then I uh, I caught one in a rest area. And I did see a couple of different places where you can get hydrogen. Uh, so I thought that was quite interesting. Yeah. That is. Speaking yeah. of which, did you hear any of my shows about the conference topic that I just attended? No. I've, I've been so you got to go back and listening. listen. At least. I know. I'm sure. Yeah. You got to go back and you are going to be blown away by some of the shows that have been in the last couple of weeks. You got to go listen. Okay. So I will do. So this conference, I got, I'll, I'll give you the quick story. I got an invitation to speak at this conference. I, I came out of the blue. I didn't expect it. I haven't done any presentations in four years. Um, and it was for the keynote. And I don't, I'm not really even known as a keynote speaker. I don't do a lot of keynote stuff. I don't really want to because it's a lot of work. You know, you, you, I, I actually studied this with Larry Wingett. Larry Wingett really worked with me, and I was going to develop a keynote yeah, and I, I realized, hey, you know, like, that's just not me. Um, I, I'm, I'm there to, you know, get information and concepts and ideas. And this whole keynote thing is, is half entertainment. And it's, you know, maybe there's a message in there. And so I, I, after studying with Larry on it, I said, you know what? I don't think I want to do that. So I get this invitation. I'm like, oh, keynote. And I thought, I don't really want to do this. So rather than just say no when it comes to speaking, I've learned over the years, just send them a crazy high price. I mean, just, just pick a price and double it and, and just say here, because speaker fees are all over the place. I used to do speak for free just to get the exposure. And a lot of people do. Yeah, yeah. And yet, yeah. and then there are people that get a quarter of a million dollars for an hour keynote at the other stupid extreme of it, you know, pr past presidents and, you know, big name celebrities, they get insane amounts of money for this. Mm -hmm. So I thought this became my strategy. If you don't really want to go do this event, just throw them some stupid, crazy price. And this one wasn't that extreme. But for the fact that I haven't spoken in three years, it's a keynote. I really didn't know the topic all that well. I, I threw them a price knife. And this was a small event. That's the other thing. If there's going to be a thousand people there, they can pay the speakers a whole lot more. Small events that there's just and, and this was even a free event. The insurance company was paying for everything. So I thought, yeah, they're not going to have a big budget for speakers, not on an event like this. So I gave them a price that I thought they just wouldn't even go for. The response came back almost immediately that, oh, and by the way, that was for the Memphis event. Two days later, we're doing it again in Nashville. So I sent it back and said, oh, well, if you want me at both events, here's the price. And the, I got a little bit of pushback. They tried to negotiate a little bit down. And I said, you know what? Instead of you guys covering expenses, which is, which is what they had pro uh, proposed, I said, I'd rather just deal with my own travel. Because when I travel, I don't travel on a budget. I'm taking a, you know, an expensive train car. I take business class on Southwest when I fly. When I get a, a lift, 
it's the luxury lift because not right. because I care so much about the car, it's the driver. When you get up to the higher, <laughs> but you know, a trip to the airport at the basic lift oh, level was $22. Yeah. yeah. The basic ride was 22 bucks. The luxury ride was 53. I don't care. I, I, I just let me pay for my own expenses. So I don't have to argue about why did I do the most expensive of everything? So I said, I'm not going to negotiate on the price I gave you, but with that price, I'll cover expenses. And they said, okay. So I'm like, ah, now I have to go do a keynote. So <laughs> I get there. The topic is actually something in trucking that I know almost nothing about. It was like nuclear verdicts and jury trials and insurance and staged accidents. That's the theme. And it's all fleets and insurance oh, wow. people there. And I'm like, what the hell am I doing here? I don't know anything about this. How do I take my message and try to make it fit? And I didn't realize it until the first day of the presentation and the other four speakers are all talking. I had to just, I, I had to rewrite an entire hour presentation in my head while I was sitting at the table getting ready to walk up on stage. Tuesday didn't go all that well. For me, I didn't think, um, but then I had time to rewrite it on Thursday, and I did. But this this topic of these nuclear verdicts and these staged accidents was just incredible. By the time they were done talking, the speakers, the biggest idea I had was, I want to package all of this up and take it to John Grisham to write a, a, a legal novel. <laughs> there were cartels. And, and mobs and organized crime and executions. Those are the stories they were telling. And they had video of these staged accidents. And it was just fascinating. That's interesting. I didn't know that was a thing. I didn't. I kind of knew it was a thing. There was um, – because I scroll headlines all the time, and I've been doing that for years. But a lot of times I'll just read the headline, and I'll move on. It's not something I'm going to go read. But I started noticing a pattern. Louisiana was kind of ground zero for these staged accidents. And one of the other speakers, really interesting guy, Randy Gillard, he was the uh, ATA chairman in 19 and 20, owns Triple G Express. They run about uh, 150 independent contractors, all container work in and out of the ports around New Orleans. And that's where these staged accidents really got started. And he decided to fight back. The, the trucking industry has said they will not take any accident to court anymore. They will settle whether they have no fault at all. They just settle so they can avoid these nuclear verdicts because, it, yeah, it's just killing the industry, and they won't take the risk. So Schneider actually settled for $150 million in an accident where their driver was completely exonerated, no at fault, no no, even, well, maybe if you would have done this kind of stuff, it's like they said, the driver couldn't have changed any outcome in this, the truck driver. The driver in the car, not only were they cited for the traffic violations, it was so egregious, they were criminally charged because two children died in this accident. The, the adults got out of the vehicle with the vehicle parked in the travel lane and walked away and left two kids in it. And they got oh, killed. Wow. He was charged criminally. 
Schneider settled for $150 million. They wouldn't take it to court. Schneider or Werner? Oh, I'm sorry. You're right. It was Werner. Schneider was that. You must have been listening the so, other day. Schneider was another so the, part of the uh, story. It was Werner. Uh, uh, my my next obsession or binge watching show since uh, since 1882 is now uh, uh, Goliath. Have you watched Goliath at all? I did. With uh, what's that guy's With, name? I like him. Billy Bob Thornton. Billy, Billy Bob, Bob Thornton. Yeah, I watched all yeah, the seasons the, of Goliath. That what an awesome show. The one with the pharmaceuticals company where they'll just settle stuff to keep it from it was the, the same yep. deal. He didn't want to take it, obviously, but yeah, he, he said he's gonna you know reach up the guy's ass and pull billions of dollars out. So it was like yeah, but yeah. Billy Bob, was, yeah. he was awesome in that. That was some really really cool yes, stuff. Yes, he was. Yeah, I'm I'm on that episode. This, I'm on um, that season now, so I've got like three more seasons to go. So yeah. But, oh, uh, oh it, they they're all quite different too. Are they? The okay, seasons cool. are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's some interesting get, get, Yeah, very different. So Randy, um, even though he's a small carrier, he's not like you know Werner and Schneider and all these other guys that are just rolling over and saying, "Look, we can't afford to take this to court. We know what we're going to settle for. We just have to make it fit into the budget. And it's just part of doing business. We're not going to court. We're not risking it." So he said, oh, hell no, I'm fighting back. There's no way I'm rolling over for this crap. And he, he kept getting hit with what he believed were these staged accidents and then these big verdicts that they were paying out. And he said, I'm fighting back. And he kind of went to them in the background and it, being the ATR, ATA chairman, it helped. And he said, I, I can't say names. I'm not going to mention anything, but they are, are helping in the background. They don't want to be identified but they're helping a lot mm -hmm. in the background because they want somebody to fight back too. They just can't be a part of it. So it's kind of, there was even that intrigue. And then um, he started installing, you know, camera systems in his trucks, not looking at the driver, looking all around the truck. Um, and then he'd say, well, this one isn't good enough. He, he'd upgrade. And he went through multiple camera systems. Then he started getting this accident footage and he showed it. So it was really cool. We got to watch this this camera action, and it is so obvious that these are staged. He found one wow. case where the guy who organizes it, um, like a recruiter, he goes out and finds people to do this. They will load the car with people, like four or five passengers, because now when they get in this staged accident, they have four or five witnesses that all say the same thing against one truck driver, and they now have four or five lawsuits to go after. Everybody files their own. That's how organized this stuff is. So wow. he was the organizer. Then they train people called slammers, and they're the ones that learn how to drive into these things and create maximum vehicle damage on their car. So it, it all looks worse. <laughs> this is... It, this is incredible what was, what's going on with this stuff. So they were able to prove, Randy was, they just kept going after all of this material and discovery and text message and phone calls. They were able to prove in this case where they hit his truck that the organizer had put the accident together on paper, outlined it, outline how many people would be in it, how much damage was going to happen, what they thought the verdicts could be, the settlements, 
and shopped it around to attorneys before it happened. And they found an attorney who accepted it. And they had the emails and, and phone calls and texts and everything else to prove this. So Randy's finally like, we got him. He got the first conviction of one of these organizers. The first conviction. They hadn't charged the guy yet, but he was convicted. And they were going through a sentencing thing. The guy, seven days after the, the uh, ruling, he was executed. Wow. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Doesn't this sound like a good Grisham movie? Yeah. Yeah, you can make a movie out of it. So that's where my second topic, I'm a light adopter of technology. The e-log was really the first time I dealt with any sort of technology. Well, okay. When I'm when I'm looking at it the other day, you know, you got your logs, and then it's got other notifications, which the company I'm leased to they don't use that system for dispatch and everything, and um, your safety score and everything. Well, I decided to look at that last week, and I see my safety score at 66 out of 100. So I've always considered myself to be a I'm not perfect, but I'm going to say I'm way better than average, safety and all that good stuff. Yeah. And, and I, I put myself at about a 70 is where I rated myself. So yesterday I called the woman in safety and I said, so what is the range at our company that I'm leased to? And I said, you don't have to mention names, I said, but I'm curious. Am I in the middle or the bottom or the top or, or where? And she said, well, let me look. And we're about 150 trucks, I think, a little bit less. Um, and she said, well, you're at 66. And she said, you're a third. One guy's at 69, one guy's at 67. The guy that is at the score of 69, he runs really low miles short haul stuff never leaves Miami pretty much so he don't really go anywhere and the bottom score which the guy had just been in a wreck totaled his truck his score was 15 so but she said a lot of, a lot of the fleet a lot of the fleet we do a lot of work in the northeast but I don't go there a lot of the fleet are between 40 and 50 for a safety score. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, it's kind of crazy. Yeah. It is. All right. Hey, yeah. we got to go. What else you got? Um, the last, the last time I was up there at Pittsburgh Path, you know, you get with Bruce and you start stalking stories and showing pictures and everything. Well, no. Can you see it? In, yeah, in New Zealand, for those that don't know, in New Zealand, <laughs> drift tricycles are quite a big thing. It's a sport. So you got that. It's like those little racing go karts, but it's a tricycle. And they're just oh, yeah. go drifting. Yeah. So Bruce sees a picture of that and he's like, what's that? And it's like a drift tricycle. And he's like, 
we should have a couple of those and the guy instead of guys sitting in the T V room, he said they can be going up and down the street. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be fun. Oh yeah. yeah. I like that yeah. idea. Yeah, yeah we Bruce needs to Bruce just needs to take over that building next to him, and I think there's enough room in the back there to uh, put in a track and have competitions. Yeah. Yeah. And then we'll. And then we'll. Prize money off your bill. We'll live stream it, or we'll live stream it on (laughs) truckingtribe.com every day. So when you're not busy, John, you're going to have to build a couple of drip tricycles. Um, That's I, right. I, could, I could whip a couple of those up. Yeah, you showed me pictures. I bet your, you could. Uh, didn't your nephew have one or something? Did you show, you showed me a video of those a couple of years ago, didn't you? Um, I got a nephew that's into the unicycle stuff, but I probably the unicycles. Okay. Yeah, I think I you showed me a video you know, of those I, at one point. Yeah, yeah. You know, I don't, I don't talk about this very often, but I can ride a unicycle. All my huh. friends can show up on a unicycle. I uh, one one year for Christmas when uh, my sons were growing up, I was just looking for something unique that I could get them that would get them out of the house and we could do it together. And so I, I got the unicycles. I got one for myself. Um, I was the only one that really learned how to ride them. It, it never really caught on with them, but I got hooked on it. So I kept doing it. And uh, back then I lived in an HOA in Orlando. So virtually year round. Um I used to just drive all over the H or ride all over the HOA on my unicycle. So my, my wh- where you live My nephew that runs okay. the unicycle, he showed up at the airport yeah. one day and they said, Uh what 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 are you what are you doing with the unicycle? He said, That's my mode of transport and he said oh, it's it's going and they said, No, it's it's too big. It's not he said if it was a bicycle, you'd take it, and the, and the woman said, "Prove you can ride it." So he rode around in the terminal, and jump, jumping up on the seats and hopping from. Oh, the- holy cow! See, I can't do any of the trick kind of stuff. I I can ride it. I can't do any. Never even attempted any of the trick kind of stuff. What I did get into was, uh, if I remember right, I think I had gone all the way up to like a twenty-four inch wheel, because you could go so much faster. See, I just I just tied this whole show back into gearing again. Gearing, yep. That's right. It's all gearing, especially direct drive like that. That was all gearing. I've got a friend. uh, We're gonna get so well before we go go off of unicycles. Who competitively mountain unicycles right where you live? That is insane. That is insane. I have watched that. Yeah. It, yeah. it is so cool. I, the skill level for those guys is incredible. Yeah. You know, my nephew, he's up in that grade. He did a, we have a round the mountain in, in New Zealand, round the mountain, 100 mile bicycle ride. And he tried doing that on it. And he's like, he got to about the 80 mile mark. And he physically he was still able to do it, but mentally he was wore out and he, he quit at 80 How bad? Oh wow! You know, you know, they they we always have that phrase about you know once you learn how to ride a bike you never forget. That's not the case with the unicycle. Every time I go back, it's there's a a relearning curve 
because uh, I'll, I'll, I've, I've gone years without getting on one. Um, the, the real challenge I have here, John, you know what kind of is like right here. Um, there's no place level. I mean, I have to, I have to, it's hard for me to find the level spot. I, I have to go down off the hill here at least, and then I can go down in town and have some level spots. But to try to just do anything around my house, I guess this one street right in front of me, I could go up and down. But um, the change in level, incline, decline is really challenging on a unicycle in the beginning. I've seen them. I've seen them freewheel down a hill. Oh yeah, that's that's really crazy. Yeah, because it's the pedals that that create most of the balance. You know, your balance is certainly created by your body and your head position, front to back, side to side, all that. But a big part of of catching yourself and keeping that balance forward and backward is the pedal itself. Yeah. Yeah, well, I, I think that Tommy Freewheel, they got an old car tire and they soaked it in diesel and gasoline and set it on fire and rolled it down the hill behind him. I think I think that was one of the videos. So he's always doing crazy stuff. So, yeah. Hey, is, is, is anybody hearing any static? Not me. No, I'm clean. I I don't either, and I just got a message from Aaron that the stream, the live stream, has got really bad static. Well, it's one o'clock, and I kind of have to go myself. So, yeah, I'll get off too. Well, so thank you very much. Have fun. Thank you. Uh, yeah, thanks for um, um, indulging me in my um, delusions today. <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> well, good. We'll, uh, more often. we'll 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 see where it goes I'll, from there. I'm home for like a solid month and a half. I don't know what I'm going to do. That, that'll probably change, but uh, yeah, so I'll, I'm good for the next uh, next five or six uh, Fridays for sure, so we'll have some fun with it. So here's what I want you to do today. Since you just said you have nothing to do and you have all this time, I'm sure that's not true, but <laughs> you said it. That. <laughs> yes, you I said did. it in Yes, I you did. I heard you. I, no, I heard you. I heard you. <laughs> you should go to the grocery store when you hang up. Get a cool collection of peppers that look interesting. Maybe some sweet, maybe some hot, maybe some habaneros. I'm going to. Find a really cool local honey, and within an hour, your ferment's going to be ready to start. And in three or four days, you can start playing around with it. (laughs) Okay. It's that quick? All right. It. You you chop up the peppers, you put them in a jar, you pour the honey over it, you leave it out, and in about four days, you'll start to see it, it will you'll see the viscosity start to change in the honey. Okay. So would you see be a little bit active? I mean, you see some and bubbling going on there or anything or no? I don't see any bubbling. The other no. thing that is incredible is the smell it is so unique. So you, you could start smelling it like the second day and you can, you can start to smell that aroma will get stronger. The, the viscosity will really start it. You know, it's it's um, it's like you know, honey is a fifty weight, and the end product of this is like a ten weight. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah, so it's, it's incredible. I mean, it I pours. It. That's it. That's it. Peppers and honey. Okay. Make sure it's raw honey. I didn't wash the peppers. I mean, mine kind of get wiped off because I take them in out of the garden, and they did have some dirt on them. But I, I just kind of wiped them off 
with a paper towel, sliced them up, threw them in there, poured honey over it. Now, to get it right, my first one, after I poured the honey in, half of the bottom was just honey and the, all the peppers had floated to the top. So really get like a wooden doll. And as you start to put in peppers, start mashing them down and then put in a little more, mash them down. You're not going to get as much honey in there, but you won't get that big gap where you don't have any peppers in the honey. And if you okay. do, it's no big deal. My first couple batches were like that and they came out fantastic anyway. But here's another cool thing about this. I did, um, I did peppers that started really, really deep red. Like I let jalapenos go till they were on the vine, till they were starting to wrinkle. They had gone so right. ripe, they started to wrinkle and they got this deep, dark red color. Then I had Hungarian wax peppers that the whole time they're on the plant, they're this really, really pale yellow color. But if you yep. let them go long enough, they ripen to red. But as they start to ripen, you get this gradient of from pale yellow to dark red. So those peppers are just beautiful. Then some of them would go from a gradient of pale yellow to green for some reason. I don't know why some of them did that. And then I had, so I had this deep red, not so deep red, this gradient from red to almost yellow and then another gradient from yellow to green so i actually layered the peppers in that gradient color so now these song. jars start to look like artwork <laughs> i was about to say that <laughs> yeah so decorate the house it's so cool well. it's yeah, so I, I'm trying to recruit Lisa because she's so creative like that. I want her to come up with the ideas and the methods of chopping and layering. You could create like artwork in a jar here. And this stuff, if I'm understanding all of this right, is like 20 years from now, we could have the same jars. And and then eat it. Yeah. It, yeah. That's, yeah. That's great. All right, I'll get some. I'll get some done. Yeah. All right. Sounds All right, good. I'll, I'll report back on it next week. All right, I've got to roll. I'll talk to you guys later. All right, talk to you soon. See All ya. Right, All right, I'm gonna get to the calls. Let's go to West Virginia. Randy, welcome to the program. Thank you. I'm a beekeeper. I'm a truck driver and a beekeeper. And well, uh, you're the back... guy I want to talk to. Well, I don't know about that, but. Uh, bees go about four miles to bring stuff back, so I don't know if you could plant. Do they really? Yes, they do. It's crazy. Wow. And I but, had, but you, see, that's why I wanted to talk to you. I had no idea. We, well, my wife and we I were listening to that. Here, think, we have a company here in Portland, and they came up with this idea. Portland is like craft food here. We don't have many chain restaurants. We don't have many fast food, especially when you get, you know, down in the city in the neighborhoods of Portland itself. And there's this real craft food movement where people will pick like one thing and just hyper focus on that and, and create such really high quality, unique products. And it's across the board. 
There's one shop that Portland's famous for, nothing but salt. That's the whole store. Every kind of crazy salt thing you can imagine. We have these little craft pork charcuterie places like old world butcher shops. And this, I could just go on and on. The craft beers, the craft wines, the craft ciders, the craft alcohols, that, that is a big thing here. So we have this company that's, that they started a honey company. They would find people in Portland that were growing unique things in their yard. Like maybe they were growing lavender, you know, this really custom kind of variety of lavender or mint or certain herbs or certain flowers. I remember one, going back to this pepper idea, um, had this line of exotic sweet peppers. They weren't hot at all. They were these really exotic kind of sweet peppers. And they had a whole backyard in the city of nothing but these peppers. Now, this company, and you just made me think about this. Um, this company contracts with them when they find somebody like this or a farm or a, a, maybe a brewery or a winery or whatever, they will come out and install the bees and take care of them. And then they harvest the honey and they pay you to do this, but then they get these really unique honeys, but I'm not sure how they're managing to make them so unique if these bees are flying all over the place. I don't either. Uh, I, I read one story where this, this, these bees was making colorful honey, and they were near the M M&M and M factory, and it was getting M and Ms and that they threw no away. No way. Yeah. No way. <laughs> oh man, yeah, that, that's crazy. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And yeah. Listen, I, this is how I think that they decide what's what. Like we have locust honey, and we have clover honey and stuff like that, buckwheat. If somebody tastes Avocado. it, says, this tastes like, this tastes like, because they can't ask the bees where they got it from. <laughs> yeah, so, right, like, right. But you would admit that very, very different honeys get created in very, very different places, and they are really unique. Some are super, super dark, like buckwheat and avocado honey. Some are really, really light, like wildflower and so we know yeah. that they create really unique things, but you're saying we can't control it nearly as much as what they're making it sound like. I don't think we can because I probably how can you tell not. Me, Look, today I want you to do blackberries, yeah, right. or you know. Yeah, we <clears throat> we don't have um, we don't have electronic fences for to keep bees in a certain area. No, we don't. Uh, by the way, my wife was listening too. We I was driving her to the hospital to the doctor, but. As we're going to stop at Kroger's on the way home and uh, get some peppers and, and try what you said. Awesome. Awesome. We're That's so that. exciting. And I'll let you know. So, I'll let you know how it tastes. So maybe, uh, yeah, I want to hear when back you, from you. Maybe I'm not delirious then. Hey, when you say leave it out, you, you mean uncapped or, or cap it? Or, uh, uh, just, just put a, a cap on it. doesn't have to be tight. doesn't have to be sealed. In fact, you probably want it to be able to vent a little bit. I didn't notice a lot of activity, like when you ferment something, it'll it'll flow over, and I always put everything in a tray to catch everything. I didn't notice any real activity in the honey at all. I didn't notice pressure being built up. But yeah, just put a put a. I use mason jars, and I buy um, one piece either wood or plastic lids instead of the bands right. and caps and all that. The, all those right, multi piece. 
Yeah, this, I have some stainless steel one-piece. That's what I use for fermenting usually is the stainless steel one-piece. Then when the fermentation is over and I'm going to put it in the refrigerator, I usually put a plastic or a wood. I'm going to have some wood that are cool. Um, so, yeah. I don't think temperature. you'd have to refrigerate it. I don't think uh, you'd I don't think it. I don't believe I'm ever going to refrigerate any of this honey. No, I think it would last forever with no refrigeration whatsoever. Well, let me tell you something about raising bees. This is our motto. Okay. Teach your kids how to raise bees, and they'll never have enough money to buy drugs. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that. Because it's, uh, um, I'm telling you, it's it's expensive. Is it really? Uh, See, I wouldn't have thought oh, that. Oh, yeah. Well, here's the, here's the problem. Of course, I don't know what the weather is out there where you live at, but... I lose probably, we lose probably half our bees every winter. Wow. And I do every, okay. everything in the world. To, yeah, I do everything in the world to, to keep them going. And then we, we got mites, and then you just got all kinds of diseases and stuff. And I, we I, I, may. Every, summer, every spring, you can buy bees for like $185. And okay. You get okay. Maybe, maybe three pounds of bees, which I don't know how many is in there, but. Cause I, I don't know either. I was going to say, and, and, be but really then you got to buy the, you got to buy the, you got to buy the frames and and the hives and everything, and and most people use a, a ten frame. Which, if you get a ten frame full of honey, you can't hardly pick it up. Uh, That's incredible. I got three, I got three three hives, and uh, of course you can split them in the spring. You can split them and make more, but I don't really want more than three. Right. And every year, because right. if I had to replace them, you know, it's, and I don't, it's I don't expensive. sell my honey at all. I've, I've, I've never actually sold it my honey. I, I give it to my friends. It's kind of like I was going to say, I bet you give away a lot stuff like that. Right. Yeah. Right. And you got lots of friends. I'll tell you that. When I you have honey, that. you have yeah. lots of friends. Oh. Hey, I, I, I do have to acknowledge some people, I, and I won't be able to do it by name because I won't remember. Um, I think there's been at least six people over the last couple of years that have sent me like big, like half gallon jugs of their homemade honey. And I love that. It's so cool to get that from people who are doing that by hand like that. So I want to acknowledge them. Um, a lot of the fermented peppers I've been doing, experimenting with all these recipes, I'm now using up those big, you know, half gallons of honey that I've been gifted over the years. Oh, yeah, sure. Boy, a half gallon has got to weigh 20 pounds or more. Oh, it's a lot. Honey, yeah, that like is dense stuff. Hey, I, I like that 50 weight part. It's, it's 50 weight. And then when we're done with yeah. it, fermenting it like this, it's like 10 weight. It pours right out. Uh, we're going to do that today. We're going to do that cool. today, I promise you. Cool. I want to hear from you on Monday then, because even Monday, I would taste it. If you get it in the in the honey today, it's, Monday might be the first day to just try it and see what's happening. And well, I, have to I take believe. It with me on the road there you go. I have to take it with me on the I road believe, I'm, I'm going back to work Sunday, Friday night. Got it. Okay. So I believe that um, this is something that. I once I get going, I've already got batches like this. Once I kind of come up with a recipe, you know, I like this pepper blend, this heat level, and this honey. 
I've been doing multiple jars so that I can start tasting it and even using it within a week or two, and then maybe have another batch that I can use in a month or two. But I'm always going to leave batches like, and I'm not even going to check them other than to look at them once in a while to like next year. I want to ferment some of this stuff for years. You know what I was thinking too? I, I'm a, I just ordered some hot sauce from this place in North Carolina called Cousin Eddie's. I was okay. thinking maybe take some hot sauce and mix it with some honey and see what it was like. I, I, I did it with my garlic wing sauce and it is incredible. It's a totally right? unique flavor. Yep. I do a uh, I do a traditional buffalo heavy on the garlic. So it's it's here's the really simple recipe. Um, I take the butter, and because the traditional buffalo is basically Frank's Red Hot and butter. I mean, and a little bit of salt. That's a pretty traditional uh, buffalo uh, wing recipe. Um, so I take the butter and melt it on very very low temperature. Then I take it off the heat and put in a ton of chopped garlic, chopped fresh garlic, a lot. And then I just pour in the Frank's Red Hot and, and you know, whisk it up. And that's uh, my garlic, you know, buffalo sauce. All I did was add the hot honey to that. And I have a sauce that is so unique, I've never tasted anything like it. Huh. Well, my wife and I, we're going to do this because it's pretty, it's pretty interesting. I well, I'd love to hear from a beekeeper that's going to do this. So thank you. Well, I'm going to do it. I promise you. We're going to Excellent. do it today. We'll, I'll, I'll take a jar with me on the road, and I'll call you one day. Perfect. Perfect. I'll look forward to it. Okay. Thanks for everything you do, Kevin. This is really wonderful. You're welcome. We will talk to you soon. Let's go to Tennessee. Danny, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. Um. What's on your mind I'll today? Through a couple, all kind of stuff here. You were talking okay. uh, the other day about the uh, insurance job going down there in Louisiana. Yeah. I had a similar um, – I posted a video over my dash cam, and I'll tell you what, that saved me. We're on the cross Bronx. We're bumper to bumper, maybe, I mean, you know, stop and go five miles an hour. Minivan actually backed into me. Tried to tell the cop that I hit him. My dash cam picked oh, up the backup lights. Nice. So it was pretty obvious. Nice. So I am. Well, he come up to me I, I, and he's like, "What happened? What happened?" I said, "Right." Because he told the cop that I hit him. And I said, well, I've got the dash cam. You can see it back. He looked at that dash cam, threw it down, and he said, that son of a bitch. And he went up to him, and he started hollering oh. at that guy. Couldn't speak English. Law? One of those guys. Oh, uh, yeah. Law enforcement uh, loves this. It, it makes things so clear for them that they don't have this. Well, he said, they said. So law enforcement loves this. I had ignored the whole dash cam kind of thing. I know we talked about Garmin and theirs, but I just I I hardly ever talk about dash cams. People have asked me, "Do you have one you recommend?" For years, I didn't. Now I would recommend Garmin just because of our partnership. Um, 
but after watching this stuff, I would not put a truck on the road without a camera system. And I would even look at making it as sophisticated as you can for side view, rear view, anything you can get. Um, This is, and even if it's not widespread, the technology is cheap. And if it saves you one time, they showed a video. And again, near Louisiana on the interstate, they, the truck, you're watching its dash cam and you see a, a pickup truck. The pickup truck is owned by a towing company. It's got its logos and, you know, signs right on the door. Um, and towing companies are part of the scam too, by the way. They've been kind of tied oh, yeah. into this yeah. whole, you know, organized crime part of it. So the, this pickup truck comes flying past the semi, jumps right over into the right lane with almost no room, slams on the brakes. The truck hits it so hard, it creates a gap of about 10 or 15 feet. The guy in the pickup truck hits the brakes again. The truck slams into him again, creates another gap, and the guy does it a third time. And the third time, the impact pushed him off the right side of the road. Talk about so obvious that that was staged and not even staged. The guy kept hitting the brakes to make the accident worse. Yeah, this isn't the first time. I had another incident. It wasn't deliberate. It was an accident. But because of my dash cam, it showed who was responsible. And uh, state trooper, he loved it. And everything was, you know, and I I made out. I mean, I didn't get rich. You know, I I was compensated for right, damages but... and a little, you know, I'm not. It wasn't a huge thing, but, you know, still. Um, I, I wouldn't, uh, you know, I notice a lot of trucks now on the mirrors, they've got cameras now down the sides of the truck. That's, that's what I'm saying. I would look at if you owned your own truck and trailer, I would seriously looking at surrounding the entire unit with cameras. They're cheap. Uh, you know, relatively cheap compared to what, you know, just one of these things could cost you, you know, in in the wrong circumstance, it could cost you your career. Uh, Yeah, I know. And, and, you know, a lot of us, a a lot of us take that attitude that, hey, look, I've been doing this a million miles. The odds of me getting into an accident are pretty slim. I'm a really good driver, and I get that. that. That's why I kind of ignored this. I thought, oh, the odds of me getting in an accident, I've been pretty safe my whole life. Um, So why would I bother? I I didn't realize these staged accidents were such a big thing. Well, look at mine up there. I mean, we were like, stop. How do you avoid that? Right. You can't. I couldn't back up. I mean, you're bumping a bumper traffic. So. And um, and when we watched these, when we watched these videos of after the fact, you can't avoid this. They are running into the the back, the side of your trailer tandems, and they're they're still the driver is being charged with these accidents somehow. The truck driver, when somebody runs into the, your tandems from the side, and you didn't move lanes, how did how do we get charged with stuff like that? But that's what's happening. Or, or your insurance company or your carrier, if you lease forces you to settle 
They they just say we we don't care if you're at fault or not. We settle these. We're not taking this stuff to court. Yeah. Well, that's that's the sad. Anyway, um, I was gonna tell you here my I'm gonna I just got an oil sample back on this truck. The uh, the lead was high and the soot was high, but the soot I. I've got a fleet air filter. I've taken it out to clean it. So that's where that's coming in. But copper is still like six. I use mobile Delvac. Um, probably not, you know, one of your favorites, but um, no, I do want to get an OPS. But that's that's on the list, but i got to get my fuel mileage issues up. I'm still struggling here, but... Uh, lead was 131, copper was six. Everything else was fine. So I was going to have the overhead run again. I had it done last year. Wait, wait. I don't know if oh yeah, if it's if, if it's been a year, go ahead and do it. Um, we're we're kind of recommending back to what we used to recommend is once a year, whether we notice anything or not. I am starting to wonder why all of a sudden I am getting all of these bearing issues in oil samples. They, they, the number of oil samples I've looked at that looked like we have a bearing problem has gone up about tenfold in the last year, and I don't know why. Remember, this is my, this is my '99 with the twelve seven. No, I, so. I, I know, and and. But but we've been running those old Detroits for a lot of miles for, you know, three decades now. And we never saw this. And it's not just those. I'm seeing newer pack car engines doing it. I've seen newer DD-15s do it. We've seen it several times on, on ISX and X-15s. That something has changed, and I don't know what's going on. But it's starting to become a pretty clear pattern. I have no this this uh, this is this cheap truck that I bought a year and a half ago it hasn't let me down since. Other than the fuel miles, Good. I've got no complaints. So, I, but I have no info on the motor, other than the oil samples. Yeah, just if I got to put a set just, of bearings, that's really not a big deal. All the other fuel well, cooling, you know, zero. It's, yeah, it's really not. You know, we used to do bearings at just a regular maintenance item, and it was about 250,000 miles. And we go back to mechanical engines. We would just roll in bearings at about a quarter million miles. Oh, yeah. that, that, when it was no big deal. We just did it. So, But what what changed all of a sudden? That That's not been the case for a couple decades now. And it's easy, but I'm wondering, what's the root cause? Why is this happening? We just, on Tuesday, we posted, I think you commented on those bearings from Tuesday. That was the issue. Those were crazy, weren't they? That was. Now, see, this engine I I don't know what, this engine could have a million and a half miles. I have no idea. Exactly. It might. And, and at first, that's what we kept saying. We kept saying, oh, well, you know, this was a real high mileage engine, or we don't have any history on this engine, so we don't know why this, this is occurring now. So I kept saying, oh, it's not a big deal. I, you know, I could explain away each one when it happened. And sometimes I couldn't. We couldn't figure out why it was happening. 
But now what I'm starting to see, I'm getting way too many of these calls. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Um, one huh. last thing, and then we I can go. Um, you know, I've, I've talked to you about blood pressure before, and it's so erratic, and there's no pattern that I can figure out. So I finally called and did a 20-minute consult with one of Dr. Wolfson's uh, associates or oh, good. girls or good. Um, yeah, and she suggested some of the, some of their supplements, which I tried for a month. Not really any changes. So I said, well, I'm going to, I asked her, I said, you know, do you recommend or know of what? She says, well, we got these programs, you know, that you know who, with one of their uh, NH, the NHP, National Natural Health Practitioner. Yeah. And right. so I got set up. To, I've, I've done blood tests. Nothing's come back out of the ordinary. Uh, vitamin D, I think 78 through Everly Well. Inflammation was really low. Toxic metals okay. or whatever they look, all that was low. On there, you know, you I know you use Everly Well, so you, you're familiar with. And nothing right. has come back as, you know, uh, flagged or abnormal or high or any of that. So it's like, what is causing you know, and, and so I'm I'm up in the 150, 160s, over there's two. There's three more areas I would start to explore. Um, two of them, um, I'm sure Dr. Wilson's team would be able to help you with, and that would be um, one that's hard. I, I we can go explore it. I'm not sure how we're going to figure this out, but it's possible it's gut bacteria that we have some weird gut bacteria that can influence our blood pressure. Um, somebody just sent me something about a, a bacteria now that can basically eliminate oxalates, and it happens in our gut. So we can eat foods with oxalates, but this bacteria like eats the oxalates or something or converts them to something else. I haven't had time to go read the research on this yet, but that's an interesting thought. Uh, so maybe gut bacteria, it's just we don't know enough about that. Or Dr. Wilson talked about this on the show the other day, mold. And he yeah, will be able yeah. to test for that. So he may have to do, I know they did heavy metals, but they may have to do some specific mold testing to see if you've got aspergillus right now seems to be a really common overload we're seeing. I had it, and I'm pretty sure I got it from tearing out the wet you know, material that was up in my the ceiling on the coach because it had turned into black mold. Um, I'm pretty sure that's that. where I got mine. And it it wreaked all kinds of havoc with my health till we figured it out. And then um, there was a third area that just popped to mind while I was thinking of those two. Oh, that possibly this is an area where the adaptogens could be the answer because the adaptogens – absolutely work with our fight or flight um, mechanism. And any time you start to stray into that, you know, fight or flight mode instead of rest and digest, your blood pressure goes up. It's one of the first things that happens. So it's very possible that this is really just stress related and it's the adaptogens that we're going to have to use to get your, um, to get that back in balance. 
Well, my uh, phone call, I'm going to do it all on uh, virtual or whatever on the phone, uh, is the 22nd. Yeah. Uh, okay. It's all set up. So I'll keep you posted, and that's probably about it. Oh, you're talking about unicycle. I, back in the 80s growing up, I was big into uh, BMX racing and uh, freestyle. Oh, yeah. Yep. And I, I actually still have my bike that I bought brand new in 1990 that I Do still ride really? once in a while. Yep. Haro Sport Freestyle. That's awesome. That's I awesome. I used to ride the ramps. That was my thing, the okay. quarter pipe, half pipe, stuff like that. Yeah. So That's pretty cool That was cool my stuff. thing. Yep. Well, have a good one, Kevin. All we'll right. talk at you. I'll keep you posted. All right. Good stuff. That is my final call. So I'm going to maybe try to wrap up some of my thoughts here. Um, And in the meantime, if you call, I'll take a couple more. I'm probably ready to get on with my day here. Um, I have no idea if you were listening on the live stream what the static could have been. I'm hoping that uh, between our two recordings, we back up everything twice on the recording or recorded twice. And I'm going to add a third back up here. I just forgot to hit the button today. I'm hoping if, if the stream didn't clear up that the, um, that the recording is fine. I do notice that I lost a lot of uh, live listeners off the stream. So maybe there still is a problem. So, you know what, I, I guess I'm just going to wrap this up. No point in talking if, uh, if we're not getting good material out of this. So I'll wrap it up. I am uh, my goal if you've been interested in this topic of the uh, the fermented hot honey, is to um, have 100 recipes done this weekend across a bunch of different categories and then start releasing them out slowly. Monday, I want to release at least three functional drink recipes, a morning, an afternoon, and a night. And I want to get to 100 recipes so that there's no real break in the rhythm of this. Once we start it, I want it to be a pretty regular thing. Uh, maybe it's a recipe a day, or I'm not sure what my schedule is going to be yet, um, but I'm going to really dig into this this weekend. Um, I don't think the weather's supposed to be great here. And um, try to get to that 100 recipes and then start putting these out. And like I say, I'm going to give it about a month. Um, We had great feedback on it today. People are excited about it. They're going to go try it already. Um, Maybe it won't be. Um, I I can see myself doing it as a very, very big part of of my cooking now. Um, I don't know if this would catch on big or not. We'll see. Have a great weekend. We'll see you back here on Monday. It'll be a free-for-all. We have some great guests lined up next week, some exciting shows coming up, a lot happening, so stay tuned. Oh, I know, um, Twitter. Follow me on Twitter. That's a new thing for me as well. I'm pretty excited about that. Um, Twitter's changing rapidly, and most of the changes right now have been pretty good. So you can follow us on Twitter. Use the handle at let's underscore truck, at Let's underscore truck on Twitter. Uh, I'm going to start getting a lot more active on there, retweeting a lot of really good information I've been finding, uh, creating my own original tweets, and also 
um, setting up both of our tribes, both Healthy Tribe and Trucking Tribe, so that when I create content in there, it generates a tweet. So you're seeing it on Twitter and you can follow the conversation back to the tribes. So that's an update. I think today is the last day of the Lona Life sale. Um, go stock up on Lona Life because I'm gonna be coming out with recipes around all three flavors of bone broth and maybe even different recipes for the paleo and keto versions. We still have those. Um, also, when you're at the store, all of the Four Sigmatic stuff we have in the store right now, we have some uh, mushroom cacao, we have some instant mushroom coffees, I think we have a couple elixirs, not a lot, um, but get what we do have right now, and I need to spend some time with Lisa, and we're going to go through the product line. We're going to be bringing more in. Um, their creamers are pretty incredible. Uh, some of their coffee, their um, not instant coffee, but ground coffee with the with the adaptogen mushrooms in it. I've been um, creating recipes for those. And they even have some other products that uh, I need to get in and start testing. So I have a feeling we're really going to be expanding our Four Sigmatic line. And I'm going to do a whole um, collection of recipes with the hot honey, fermented hot honey and adaptogens. So that will be one whole collection on its own. And I have a ton of ideas. So may even be able to create some food from some of those adaptogens, some of the powders, and I've got some ideas there. All right, so head to the store. We do appreciate that, by the way. Um, and also the memberships on the tribe. Those really do help us out. So spread the word, get us some new followers, shop the store, sign up for the memberships. It's how I fund all of these projects. It's how we fund all of these projects. We, there's a, a lot of work to these things. I love doing them, but uh, we really do appreciate your support. So head on over to the store, letstruck.com, and the two subscription sites, truckingtribe.com and Healthy Tribe. Oh, I'll give you another reason to join either one of the tribes right now. And I don't have any details on this, but we've talked about this quite a bit. We're going to have a couple different levels of subscription. We will have a free option. Of course, it's going to be limited on how much content you get to. But we want to bring people in and give them a free way so they can see what we do and see if they think there's any value there. Then we'll have a paid subscription with a certain amount of content. And then probably like a... a I don't know what we'll call it, like an elite level or the founder's level or the inner circle or something where it is going to be a higher price, but you're going to get access to everything we do. One of the ideas we've talked about, we love supporting people who support us and rewarding people who support us because that makes this whole thing work. It's better for all of us. It's a win, win, win. Another one of the lessons from the habits, think win-win. We're, we're going beyond that. We're thinking win-win-win. Multiple parties all win. Our vendors, our partner companies, us, you especially, 
So that's the magic that happens when you support us. Here's the other thing. I, I don't have details, but this is what we are shooting for. That whatever this top level is, we really do believe it's going to be fairly exclusive. I, I don't think we're going to get a lot. We're not even going to really, well, I shouldn't say we're not going to shoot for a lot. At some point, we might. But at some point, we may shut this level off, too, and, and then maybe create something different. We want this really unique level for the tribe members who have supported us over all these years and through everything. And there's been a lot of everything. Not all of it's been good. We appreciate that. So I would like to have this level of membership where every time we launch something new, and this is where I'm not going to make any promises, but I think you can see where we've innovated a lot of things over the years. We're going to continue that. It seems to be accelerating that this core group always gets first access and gets their own unique access somehow. We really want to create that and, and reward the people who got us here. We, we really do appreciate that. I appreciate it every day. The team appreciates it every day. And I want to create kind of a very, very unique experience um, and level. So what I would say is get involved now. You know, become a tribe member now. Um, I may have a couple other ways that we throw out there right now to kind of bring people in so that when we start to release these new levels, you will be considered for one of those opening kind of unique, kind of elite memberships, especially if you've been a longtime supporter. If you haven't been, get in now. If you have been, thank you. We really do appreciate it, and, and we want to recognize that and really reward it in a unique way. We're going to get creative about that. You know what? I've got one more caller. Morgan, go ahead and grab that. I will take that call. Um, and then I am going to wrap this up. Uh, but speaking of which, the reason I'm taking the call is I can see who it is on our new software. And uh, Brandy is one of our kind of core supporters, and she has been for a while. We do appreciate that. And um, we, we want to do things like that to start raising the bar. We want to reward people that are doing the right things. We need more of it in the country. We, we have been lowering the bar for so long on so many things that we just threw the damn bar away. We don't even have a bar anymore. We, we want to really start working towards rewarding excellence everywhere we can. So, I'll take this last call. Brandy, you snuck in under the wire. Because I, I was listening um, past, and I was like, I wonder if anybody's mentioned this. It's like, is it possible that the oil that we're getting, not from you know our, our refineries, getting it from around the world, is causing those bearing issues you were talking about? I'm learning things as I listen to you. I don't know a lot of this stuff. It's like, well, what is it possible? I don't think so. And and here's why um, the 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 manufacturers of the oil itself that the final product that ends up in our crankcase they have pretty high standards they really do um, the base oil stock that we use isn't all that different 
base oil stock is pretty similar. There are different grades of oil, light, sweet, crude, Brent crude. Um, but I think they all have really high standards on which stock they start with to create a motor oil. And then they well, all have their very specific additive packages. Year. Well, I, I know. And that's a good way to start thinking for troubleshooting yeah. what could have changed it. So it's a good good path to go explore and just make sure that isn't the problem. I don't right. think that it is because of those standards that, that they have yeah, all their own ecstatic. additive packages and huh, nobody else was hearing part. it. Oh, I, okay. I heard it. it was when um, the call came on and then it came on and then it never went away. That's really weird because the online stream if we're not getting static on the phone, I'm going to have to check the recording. I can't do that till we end. Um, yeah. I really hope it's not there. I just can't That's imagine what could cause static on our online stream. All right, I will uh, I'll cut you loose and I will finish my clothes and I'm going to get out of here. I have a lot to go work on this weekend. Um, this is now three weekends in a row I haven't taken off. Uh, the first weekend I was traveling and writing. Second weekend, um, I was catching up because I was gone for a week, so I worked all weekend. And now I'm so excited about this idea, and I set a goal. It's going to be the third weekend in a row. So I guess I'm going on 21 days now. By the time this one's over, without a day off, um, might have to rectify that soon. We will see you back here on Monday. No more blabbing. Be safe. Be profitable. Be fit and healthy always. Do the hard work and master the journey.